somewhere in 2018, far, far away in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Coda, do you want some greenies? I bet you do. Hey, Sid, what are you watching? Oh, 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 I'm uh, watching Dino Charge. It's uh, one of the Power Ranger seasons I, I really like. Uh, oh, it's actually the, the series I got the uh, name for Coda from. Oh, cool. I, I have some time before work. Mind if I watch with you? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I won't be offended if you think it's weird or anything. I, I realize Power Rangers isn't for everyone. That's chill. I just kind of want to turn my brain off anyway. Fucking Amazon. Hey, where are my greenies? I'm an eccentric shopkeeper dressed like Stevie Nicks Ashley. And I'm Riley's terrible trans nerd void fashion Sid. And this is Ranger's Plane, where Sid, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. And, well, we are finally here, guys. It's Dino Charge time. <laughs> like, after... Literal years of talking about how we're ready to get to Dino Charge. We finally got to Dino Charge. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's it about, Ashley? Let me tell you. In the city of Amber Beach, Shelby Watkins has a dream of working as a paleontologist. However, she's constantly dismissed by the Amber Beach Dinosaur Museum curator, Kendall Morgan. One day, she sneaks onto a dig and meets a cute boy named Tyler Navarro, who's searching for his dad. After finding things called Energems and fighting a monster, the two are told that they're now part of the Power Rangers. Joined by New Zealand skateboarder Chase Randall, country boy know-it-all Riley Griffin, and Coda, the literal caveman, the team uses their dinosaur powers and Kindle's tech to save the Earth and search for the other Energems. I love that the first notation for our, our plot talk was finally some good fucking food. Yes. Oh, my God. After the struggles we have gone through with Samurai and Megaforce, it is so nice to get to an actually good season. <laughs> it's uh, that was kind of a bit of the fan reaction, particularly with the first half, too. It's like. Oh, wow, this isn't as bad as the last two were. Yeah, like, my God, like. Like, I kind of came down easy on Samurai overall, but this is leagues better than Samurai. Yeah. And, like, like Megaforce is the bottom of the ocean compared to this, <laughs> like, this series. Um, oh, my God. Beyond the abyssal deaths yes. of the ocean. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, as... Uh, there was a producer switchover. They switched over from Tycar to uh, Chiplin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who will get to it. He does some writing for VR Troopers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I felt like it was a needed, like, breath of fresh air. Uh, particularly, it sounded like, well, like, Tycar was good to work with in some ways when it came to actually, like, producing children's shows in mm-hmm. the 20-teens. He was not with the times like 
reading that whole thing about how he like kind of acted with mega force it's just kind of like yep it's here and uh kids it's like we don't care as long as we get some nostalgia money it sounded like yeah oof. and um especially i think some new writers got uh, brought on board too and they really injected some some life into the series um which kind of goes into like uh another point which was uh, this? This actually decently felt like an ensemble cast, which is hard to do in Power Rangers. Yeah, like because I don't, I don't even remember the last time we really had an ensemble cast where it didn't feel like one particular character was overtaking the narrative. Yeah, or or uh, well, it's that balance of one character's not overtaking the narrative and everybody feels like char- like actual characters. Yeah, it's it's really hard to kind of like balance a lot of that out. Like mm-hmm. even really good seasons like like Time Force, I love Time Force, but they don't balance with that very well. Like no. Trip Lucas and Katie are kind of given nothing. Yeah. Um, Lucas especially is given like nothing to do. Yeah, fuck Lucas. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck Lucas, though, but, like, that, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Lucas was basically a race car driver. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I feel, uh, it's been a while, like, Jungle Fury got close, because it's, like, even with Casey being kind of the focus character, it still felt kind of balanced. Yeah, and, like, it's still, like, it, I'll, Obviously, he did kind of take over the plot a little, but, like, it wasn't, like, overwhelmingly so. It wasn't, like, Casey and others. Yeah. But. Which is very, yeah. very weird how people will say the opposite of that series. But, yeah, it's, I think it was, like, Lifetime was Jungle Fury. Yeah, because, like, RPM did have a decent ensemble, but, like, obviously Dylan was the focus character. So, like. Yeah. And I uh, guess, yeah. like, Troy or, okay, but was it Troy was his name? I I'm uh, literally forgetting everybody from uh, Megaforce now. Yeah. Oh, the 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 Red Ranger Troy. Yeah. 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 And like Troy was kind of the focus, but also again, nobody had a real personality besides girl, tough girl, like smart, <laughs> jock, creepy, jock, turn creepy guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, supposed to be chosen one, even though they like the chosen one went away. <laughs> Yeah, okay, this is not this is not a third episode about Megaforce. Second episode about no, Megaforce. No, no, no. God, if yeah. he had done so, two episodes about Megaforce, I would have just, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, it's been it's been a while. And like with RPM, like you said, Dylan was definitely the main character. And it felt like characters like Flynn, uh, Summer, and uh, Gem and Gemma got kind of thrown on, like, thrown under a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we don't have time. And. I, I want to say that's probably because of producer stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah, just I feel like the focal character is Shelby. Yeah, like I had, it unfolds in Shelby's eyes. Yeah, like I hadn't even really considered that until we were sat down to write this, but like, yeah, because Shelby is kind of the first. I think the first character we actually meet is Tyler, but like Shelby is the one that we kind of get to know initially, yeah. and like she's the one that like is obsessed with dinosaurs. She already works at the Dinosaur Museum. She is trying to impress Kendall, you know, to get a spot on the dig team the way that Coda and Chase do. Yeah. You mentioned this here. We haven't really had a girl-focused lead since probably around Time Force. Yeah. With Jen. 
And also it's just significant because Shelby is the first time we have had a black woman as the Pink Ranger. Yeah, it's the first time we've had a black woman as kind of our focal character yeah. as well as the Pink Ranger on top of that. Yeah, it's it's normally, uh, it, it has been, and we're late enough, Time Force I think was the last time a uh, black woman was on the team. Yeah, it's weird Which, to think about. Like, I think we were trying to uh, think it over, like, before this podcast, and it was just like, has it really been that long? Yeah, and um, so that that and that was like a big deal when they talked about it too. Like coming out, they're like Shelby is the first black woman to be a Pink Ranger, because uh, you know P- Pink was normally reserved for the girliest of girls, and often that was white. And mm-hmm. a lot of stuff we can unpack here about right. that, right? But uh, yeah, it's like. I'm still kind of in shock, and I'm also kind of in shock they haven't done this since. <laughs> yeah, same. Like then again, we really haven't had a Pink Ranger in a while. It's like yeah, no, it's not just the Pink Ranger thing. Like I, the last Pink Ranger I remember was probably no, I thought we had one in Megaforce. Yeah, no, I meant like po- post this. Uh, there's All like, right. uh, but even still, like you don't. It, it, it it's. There's always needing to be one white girl on the team, and when they have to designate, like, well, one girl's on the team, it's normally white. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that a bit about Power Rangers and the racial makeup. Yeah, like, especially because, yeah, it's like, I can't even remember, like, the last time we had a, well, no, it was Mia, was the last yeah. time we had a pink Power Ranger that was a person of color. But, yeah. like, specifically, yeah, never had a black pink ranger Again, I think we talked about this throughout the Disney eras that that uh, that particular era was really lacking in any sort of racial diversity. Yeah, it was it was really really white. Yeah. So kind of, this was kind of especially uh with a lot of the casting going on here in Dino Charge. Then all aside, it's like it's it's kind of, it's it's good to see kind of Power Rangers going back to a more diverse casting. As opposed to the very white Disney years in the in the two thousands. Yeah, I would even say that this cast makeup was more diverse than Samurai when that one really should have been the more diverse one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh boy. yeah, like hot takes. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, because yeah, is that this one definitely felt like it was like I don't know if they necessarily do colorblind casting after the whole Samurai debacle. But, like, um, yeah, it's, it was nice to see, like, a, a makeup of rangers that actually kind of reflects what the real world kind of looks like. Yeah. Because it's, it's been a while since we've had, like, a team like that, I think. Yeah. So, all around great. Shelby's also an all around very good character, and we'll probably get in, we'll get into her more later. Yeah, we'll get into her uh, fairly soon. Um, as we mentioned with Chip Lynn being brought on as kind of like the lead producer, um, this particular season borrowed a lot from VR Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will, we will probably link, <sighs> it's a Dino Supercharge episode, but we'll probably link, uh, Seamus's review of one of the Dino, just overall Dino Charge episodes, like it's a VR Trooper episode. <laughs> yeah, it was like... Yeah, because we made a joke about it on Twitter where, like, because basically they would do the whole, sometimes they would do the whole opening narration of Tyler writing in his journal a letter to his dad about his <laughs> friends. And I felt like, oh my god, have I, have we just started watching VR Troopers again? Is this what's happening? <laughs> and then, um, 
And then Seamus was like, oh yeah, I once wrote an episode, I once wrote an episode overview of uh, Dino Charge from the perspective of it being an episode of VR Troopers. <laughs> and you can probably guess which, ep- if you're familiar with, uh, with Dino Charge or Dino Supercharge, you probably know which episode, like, he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, especially the dad thing, like, dad, I miss you. Dad, where are you? Yeah, it's like... Because that's, like, Tyler's main focus for the first, like, this season and the half of season and two is finding his dad. Because his dad mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> he When he was, like, I like, think nine or something? He was, like, eight. He was, like, eight he years was, old. Yeah, eight or, eight or nine, yeah. Eight. He's, he's supposed to be around 18, 19, so yeah, eight. Yeah. So his dad's been just... missing for, like, a decade plus. <laughs> It's like, where's my dad? I hope he comes back someday. It's like, I really miss you, dad. I'm going to write you a letter and tell you all about the things that you taught me and how my friends are, like, teaching me that, too. Thankfully, this only happens, like, a few times. It's not every fucking episode opens with this. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, is that... I'm like, is that just a trope now for Chiplin? Is just, like... I'm gonna... It's like, I'm gonna have somebody who's missing their dad... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you say this now wait till next season oh lord <laughs> or fraught dad shit like um he was a uh, he was somebody who was like a main person behind uh time force and there was like fraught dad shit in time force oh yeah i think dads are the main focus of of chip lynn season i feel not not yeah a, you know it wasn't like the main focus of this particular season but like you know it's definitely a character element yeah so we're specifically covering Dino Charge for this particular episode, and we're going to be covering Dino Supercharge for our next one. Uh, we'll say that this particular season is the stronger of the two halves, yeah. um, and it definitely has more connective tissue than the past couple of seasons. Whereas, like, lo- yeah, it feels like everything that happens in an episode actually matters to like the overall story. Yeah, even it, it, it's 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 a very good kind of balance of being episodic as well as being having an overall arching narrative, which mm-hmm. is, it's been a while since Rangers was really firm in that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after last, I, I was about to say connective tissue, and I'm like the jellyfish known as Megaforce. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, let's stop talking about it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, after what, like, I remember, like, people were like, oh, yeah, the Dino Supercharge really isn't as strong as Dino Charge was. And I, I can really see it. Dino Charge really was the stronger half here. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those, it's like, you have a very strong, like, meal, and then, like, you have, like, an okay dessert, is how I view these two halves, not, you had a very strong, beautiful meal, and then, like, a just disgusting, terrible dessert. Nah, Yeah. Um, and then, like, especially with kind of the season, it definitely ends, the first season ends on a really definite cliffhanger. Yeah. Where, like, the rangers go their separate ways for, for this time, like, just for the time. Uh, but then, like, you actually, like, when they think they've actually defeated, like, all of the villains, it's like, oh, there's a new villain on the rise. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah, it was, it was nice to have kind of the, like, we... It felt like a season ender, mm-hmm. as opposed to previously, where it just really didn't feel like season enders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like, yeah, we're gonna end here, and then we're gonna pick back up next season. Here's stuff to like 
tantalize you to watch next season, basically. Yeah. And then, as we mentioned already in this, it's like this season, the characters definitely feel like characters again. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the big... And again, why we kind of split this up, because one of the funny things is like, we'll see with the others, and there was just nothing to talk about with the characters with the others. Right. But this one, there definitely is, and we love it, and that was kind of the big reason why we're splitting the episode, because it's like, I can tell you a lot about Shelby. I can tell you a lot about Tyler. I can tell you even about, like, like auxiliary characters like Prince Philip and Moana. And, like, like Moana just showed up in one episode. And we can definitely tell you a lot about this character more than Troy. <laughs> Sorry for bashing Megaforce so much. Yeah, no. It's like, this will not be our personality trait, we say. <laughs> we say. But, uh, yeah, it's... Just, they definitely, if like it's felt like a fleshed out world. It's felt like these are fleshed out people that if you were given more time with, you could probably find out more about them. Um, which, you know, Power Rangers, sometimes it's great with characters, especially like just simple characters like that. And then sometimes, you know, it can be a dud. But yeah, we're, we're finally to some real kind of characters here for Power Rangers anyway, which I guess let's let's start with them. And we're going to start with uh, Shelby, Shelby Watkins. Uh, who is our pink ranger and we we kind of uh we've noted her as cafe worker turned power rangers by persistence it's like yeah because shelby is very much she is not going to be denied what she wants <laughs> it's like no i am going to go on these digs i i am going to be the biggest paleontologist ever you know she's just really excited about that because she really like that's kind of her big thing she really loves dinosaurs um like Dear Lord, she'll she'll info dump you uh, on you dinosaurs. She loves them that much. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Like she, she, especially the Triceratops, which does end up being you know her dinosaur. But um, you know she's persistent. She wants that. Uh, she wants to go on a dig, probably so she can like look good in college. But also like we'll find out later. Probably like she she rather do this than what she is going to college for currently. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but because of all this, we were kind of like, she's neurodivergent. Yeah, like, she, yeah, there's definitely, like, we'll say this about pretty much most everybody in this cast, is that they clearly have some sort of neurodivert. When we say cast, we mean the characters, not the actual cast themselves. Yeah. Um, like, this particular set of rangers feels very neurodivergent, and Shelby especially. Like, this girl has been so obsessed with dinosaurs her entire life, so clearly she has a special interest. Um, she kind of has a hard time relating to people sometimes, yeah. or really saying what she wants. And, like, like this definitely comes up in, like, Supercharge, where, like, she has a friend from childhood who treats her like shit, but, like, she feels like she can't really, like, say anything to her, because, like, she wants yeah. to keep that friendship. Um, you know, just all, just a whole bunch of things that just made me go, like, oh, yeah, Shelby is, Shelby is probably autistic. Yeah. Um, it, th this is definitely more of a case of like the same way I saw Dr. K and was just like, that girl's autistic. Um, yeah, like there's nothing specifically kind of like, it's not really specifically what we would typically call autism coded, mm -hmm. I guess. Like, it's not like, uh, it's not like last season with, um, Blue Ranger. Noah. Yeah, Noah. Noah. Yeah. Noah. Where like, he was kind of Sheldon ish so like his was very coded as a very typical like 
what we would call Asperger syndrome, even though like that name is not really being used anymore, at least by people within the community. Um, but yeah, it's just like Shelby gave me very neurodivergent autistic feels. Shelby reminds me of every outgoing autistic person I know. Yeah, she's very like because she is very outgoing. It's just sometimes I think she has a hard time like relating to people or like knowing when to like stop if that makes sense yeah yeah no she reminds me a lot of my dad and basically that's what i'm saying yeah 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 no i see that i see that uh but yeah she's she's she reminds me just so much of just every auto like a lot of autistic people I know who are just, they're outgoing. Like that's something people I don't think realize. Like autistic people can be very outgoing and will talk your head off and stuff. It's not always like quiet people. Yeah. And then like, I think one of the things that definitely went like, yeah, that girl is definitely autistic is when the episode with, and we're going to talk about this soon. So this is kind of a segue here. It was the episode where she had to pretend to be like the princess of uh, Xandar and, like, she came in that dress and she was just complaining about how, like, like you know, it, the dress is so tight and my feet feel like they're being chomped on by crocodiles. It's like, oh, okay, 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 I see what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uncomfortable clothing fucking sucks. Yes. <laughs> Trust me, I have to... Uh, that is that is something I deal with a lot, is I have to be so picky on my clothing. Yeah, same. And uh, I guess this also goes into the fact that she has the biggest crush on Tyler, which also I don't think she, like, realizes he reciprocates, too. Yeah, like, it definitely feels like, especially for Supercharged, they are both kind of, like, stupid in the way that they interact with their crush on each other. (laughs) Because it's very clear that she's, like, she is very into Tyler. It's very clear that he's into her, too, but she does not quite, like, pick up on it. Yeah, it, it's, and it, it's, it's, uh, so my favorite bit of her crushing on Tyler has to do with, like we said, with the, with the, with pretending to be the prince and princess of Xandar, uh-huh. you know, a married couple, and she's like, I'm not gonna do this, and Kendall's like, yeah, fine, I'll do it, and then Tyler comes in all dressed up and handsome, and she's like, well, okay, I'll do it, and this later comes into play in the Halloween episode for this season, uh, and what happens is basically, like, they have to do kind of a lie detector test mm-hmm. of, uh, basically, Among Us. I yeah, think. yeah. Kendall, so. Kendall calls the emergency meeting. Yeah. We're gonna find out who's the imposter. And so, Shelby is not able to really pass because she's too nervous to admit that the reason why she uh, ended up uh, being the princess in the end was because she had a huge crush on Tyler. She was she was the real Shelby, but you know it was it was through basically imposter coda calling Kendall Miss Morgan. But it was kind of like she would rather die <laughs> than admit she has a crush on him. Yeah, it's very relatable. Mood, 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 mood. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I'm hooked up to a lie detector test. These people are about to kill me if I am gonna, you know, if I lie about it. So uh, I'm, I'm just gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I think Tyler's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also meet cute too. Like we can, we can really talk. We're probably gonna talk about this more in uh, odds and ends. But mm. it's, it, it, I really love that. Like. For 
it, it's been a while since they established someone having a crush on each other, particularly a, a girl character. I think it's been a real long while since the girl character was the the, the one essentially who's kind of has the romantic interest and really sees it because it's normally the dude. Yeah, especially <laughs> after last season, it was just like, yeah. Because, like, they tried to do that in Samurai, too. Just like, oh, well, yeah, clearly, like, Emily has a crush on... Was it Mike? It was Mike has a crush on Emily. Yeah. and how like, it kind of played out. Yeah, but then, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, she clearly likes you, too. I'm like, where? Where are the text? Show your work! <laughs> <laughs> it was like the Christmas episode where she's writing a letter to her sister. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that is it. <laughs> it's like a one-shot Christmas episode. So, yeah, it's been a while since we've had, like, a relationship actually established over the course of the series and not just, we're occasionally going to throw hints and then at the last episode, oh, they're together now. Or in <laughs> the case of... They're going to move in on a farm. <laughs> oh, man. Unmarried. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I will forever choke about that. Uh but kind of the big thing with Shelby, and it goes into next season too, is mm-hmm. she sometimes isn't so sure about herself and she often has doubts about her abilities. Like she, she definitely is like, I'm very sure about my knowledge of dinosaurs, but when it comes to actually like, you know, if something goes awry after she makes something, she just, she just kind of like, oh my God, I fucking failed at this. It's like, yeah. She, Gives herself really no quarter to fail. It's like, which again, mood. Yeah, and so it kind of goes into these bits of like self doubt with her that she often has to work through, mm-hmm. um, or or kind of proving like feel like she has to prove herself to others, especially with Kendall. I think down the line. Uh, also, she has like a really good episode of sometimes uh, your heroes will disappoint you. Oh yeah, with uh. Doctor Doctor Runga or whatever his name yeah, was, yeah, jerk paleontologist. She's like, I read your book so much, and he's like, okay, I don't like screw you guys. Yeah, it's like the world of Power Rangers where there is a a uh, a celebrity paleontologist. What is this like oh. Jurassic Park? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I think Ian Malcolm was actually a celebrity mathematician. Right. Well, I thought. It was implied that Statler and um Ellie Statler and uh fuck, I can't remember Sam O'Neill's character name right now. Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alan Grant, that's it. Yeah, I thought it was implied that they were kind of like at least famous in the world of paleontology, but yeah, Rockstar Mathematician does not actually exist in the real world, Michael Crichton. <laughs> Michael Crichton was like, I, I want to be sexy. So I'm, I'm Ian Malcolm. But yeah, Grant Grant was like, and that's kind of how academia can kind of be. Is like there there are like rock stars in academia. Yeah, but there it's a very niche kind of rock yeah, stardom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this was like big rock stardom. Like, okay, only in Power Rangers mm-hmm. and in Michael Crichton's head. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of her big thing. And like again, it really shows up next season when she uh, more or less ha- like has to explore. You know, the whole navigating college comes up really next season. Mm-hmm. And um, also, like, you know, it actually comes back to when she did. Because uh, one of the episodes early in the season was how she made a tracker. And then, like, it ends up, you know, 
it fails and she blames herself for it and kendall's the one who's like i forgot to encode the data like that is not your fault right you know and i think that comes back to to haunt her a little bit in the episode where she learns how to make a zord yeah um and which will not happen until next season we'll cover that when we get there but yeah like it's yeah that's a whole thing with uh with um shelby is kind of like she it's a very much a like oh she's an older teen clearly like she's about she's about 18 19 but like yeah she she even declared herself that i think it's like i'm gonna look like 18 forever yeah So, like, she's just sort of, like, yeah, she struggles with, like, finding herself. Like, it's very much, she's trying to find herself while also be a Power Ranger. Yeah. So, it's already hard enough to find yourself as a young person, like, Mm -hmm. going into your adulthood, but, like, juggling superheroing on top of that. Right. And, um, one big thing is she... At the beginning, they later kind of clear things up. Is she butt heads with Kendall a lot, um, and I'm not sure how to approach this other than this age really weirdly. Yeah, because like it was one of those things that like they, it didn't feel like there's a lot of consideration to the fact that like they cast because when they cast again, Shelby, as we talked about, is a black woman. And so, a young black woman, but a black woman nonetheless. And it's definitely one of those things that I don't think they really considered how it comes across when Kendall, for the first probably, like, five or six episodes, is just very, like, dismissive of, like, Shelby and what she knows. Like, oh, like, think, think, like she, she, I think what it's like, it's like, this isn't a game, Shelby. And it's like, Shelby doesn't think it's a game! Yeah, like... Kendall, for some reason, it just thinks that, like, Shelby is not taking it seriously, that she is just, that there, that there's nothing really worth, nothing really worthwhile in Shelby. Like, literally, when she goes, when, after they, the Energems bond with Tyler, Riley, and Shelby, like, she goes down the line, is like, oh, Tyler, you know, your Energem bonded with you because of this, Riley, your Energem bonded with you because of this, and she stops at Shelby. She's like, "I don't understand why you're in, like the energy bonded with you." It's like it's like you don't even know Tyler, and you especially don't know Riley. Yeah, so I'm like, I I'm just like, okay, maybe you find her annoying, and especially like at work, but like that is no reason to be really dismissive of her. And I think yeah. it's like it isn't until like Shelby actually stands up for herself and tells Kendall, "Hey, you keep underestimating me," that Kendall finally like gets the stick out of her ass and like actually takes Shelby seriously. But like, I don't think there was like really a consideration of like, this would be annoying if Shelby was a white character. Yeah. But like, as like with Shelby in particular being a black woman, like it really comes across as Kendall being kind of racist. Yeah, like it's, it's may, not outwardly so. Like she's not calling her slurs or anything, but like microaggressively so. Yeah, like she's working under an assumption of what she thinks like a black woman's intelligence is, and it's just being passive aggressive and and pu- putting in all these little microaggressions towards her until like Shelby tells her that she's had enough. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those. It's like I feel like if this was written more. Same scenario if it was written more this time period. I mm-hmm. think there would probably been more consideration to approach that topic. Yeah. 
but because this is like 2000, like, I want to say this was made in 2014. Yeah, around that time, I believe. Yeah, around, around the time of 2014, you know, writing-wise and ever in casting-wise and all that. I, I, I just don't think that was considered a thing to kind of like, okay, if we write this like this, we have to approach uh, microaggression, microaggressive racism. Yeah. If, or we completely just do something else here. You know? Yeah. Like, like we're like, there's only was just beginning to have an understanding of these things in 2014. And they especially had not reached a level of being considered in a t- television writer's room. Like, yeah. Like Issa Rae was on was on YouTube at the time. She was not on NHBO yet. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's like this was around when, like, the world kind of the white suburban world shattered. Yeah, and so you're kind. Of, you know, it's it's one of those. It's like you still had stuff like basically colorblind casting and colorblind writing like every like everyone can fit the same scenario and yeah maybe this is power rangers and where like discrimination doesn't really come up in power rangers as a thing but it's kind of one of those it's like if you're gonna have a older white not that much older like Like, 26 but yeah kendall's uh, probably like in her like mid to late 20s in comparison to the like most of the cast being like 18 19 But, you know, you're going to have a white woman kind of talk down to a, a younger black lady like that. Uh, it's just not great. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not. Like, and again, it thankfully, it, like, does not continue oh, yeah. super long into the series. Like, it probably is, like, again, probably, like, takes about five or six of the first episodes before Kendall is just, like, Hey, I was wrong about you, Shelby. And then it just they their relationship evens out. Yeah, and you know it. It was actually in like that episode with the with the Dino Tracker. It was really, uh, you know, where Shelby even is like, "Oh, I guess I am that failure." And then Kendall has to. That's kind of where like Kendall really feels false up, like apologetic about everything because she's like, "Ah, oh, no, that was me. Like your device worked great. I fucked up." Yeah. <laughs> Don't beat yourself up over this. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was something that we wanted to, to kind of address as kind of a, just like, wow, this was definitely written in 2014. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, it was definitely, like, around the time, like, again, the Black Lives Matter movement had started, but, like, we, there was not a more attempt at a cultural understanding of what, what a black person would go through in these kind of situations. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, kind of, like, that's a weird note to leave off on, but we should probably move on to our next character. Uh, boo, Tyler Navarro. Yeah, our, our our Red Ranger of the season, who we have dubbed the better Ryan Steele. He's, he's so much the better Ryan Steele. <laughs> like, I, I think he has more of a personality outside of my dad's missing and karate. Yeah, like... It, it like it definitely feels like yeah he is basically if like they had actually rounded out Tyler Steele as a character in in 1995 96 Five. whenever VR Troopers was on the air that that yeah. time period but like yeah cuz it just cuz i 
was not expecting because basically, like I you know, I when I first watched this, I was not aware of what VR Trooper was. And now with a uh with having watched all 90 episodes of VR Troopers and <laughs> wanting to gouge my eyes out, um <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this de- like Chiplin definitely went back to that well. <laughs> um, kind of the big thing we we talked about Tyler is he's so like he's plucky, like he's happy to be here, he's happy to be a Power Ranger, he, like he, he sees the best things in life, including his dad being missing. He doesn't even think that his dad's like dead or anything. It's just like, ah, oh, he's probably out there somewhere. Yeah, and like I don't think it comes up until season like dino supercharged but like he gets really upset when like shelby's like maybe you should like give up the search for your dad because he's probably dead like because he won't even entertain that notion like whatsoever like he is 100 percent certain for a fact that his dad is still alive yeah and this kind of does come up, like, that's his big thing, is, like, he's trying to search for his father, and uh, this kind of goes into the arc where they introduced Ivan, mm-hmm. where he, when uh, he sees Fury, like, he and Fury are having, like, are fighting separately, and he sees Fury, uh, like, basically, like, have a heart attack, and then someone looks like he's trying to emerge from Fury. Yeah. And because, you know... Tyler, uh, when he first appeared, he ran into Fury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he was thinking, oh, this has to be my dad. Because, like, you were haunting an area that my dad was at. You were after me. You had to, like, the, this person inside you has to be my father. And you're building up to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Who's inside Fury ready to come out? And so right when the reveal kind of happens, like, it's it's a twist you know a bit of a twist because they do kind of hint at something Mm -hmm. earlier on when he turns ivan over and realizes that's not his father and just kind of like that disappointment on his face like oh i thought you were my dad yeah but like it, it is a whole conflict for him because like he had the opportunity to like destroy as power rangers likes to say and so you have to kill um yeah. destroy fury at that moment but like he doesn't want to like do it just in case like that is his dad inside fury and we should know she's trapped in fury's chest chest yeah chest chest chest, chest. <laughs> we're not resetting the vor counter okay <laughs> i wasn't even gonna mention it uh, uh somebody else no, is going it, to yeah no it, it's uh Ivan got absorbed. We'll go into that. But yeah. Ivan got absorbed. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of his whole... He has... A lot of the Rangers have more internal conflict. I say Tyler has mm-hmm. kind of a mix of external and internal conflict where he's trying to find his father. It's like, yeah, that is kind of his own conflict running through the season. But it's not like... Again, it doesn't consume every waking moment for him. Like, he still is very much like there to be a power ranger and to help the rangers like he makes friends with the other rangers he he makes friends very easily with the other rangers i notice mm-hmm. he's basically like he just he just you know morphs into what they do and it's very encouraging he definitely has a thing for shelby as that was a really you know it, it was kind of interesting because like at first you're like okay shelby definitely digs him and he's He's a little flirtation, but he looks like he's just kind of, you know, likes everybody. And then there's the episode where Ivan 
is like, you know, after he really accepts them and he has this big jealousy streak with Ivan. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I brought this jacket because you thought it was, you said it looked good, Shelby. And Shelby's like, I'm the mannequin. (laughs) And, you know, he's he's like trying to impress her and there's like, you know, Ivan the knight and they have this big rivalry until Shelby's like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. (laughs) Um... But yeah, like I think kind of going into that is that like Tyler as a Red Ranger, he has so much enthusiasm for being a Power Ranger. Oh yeah. Which like we haven't seen that in a minute. Like because it often just feels like the Rangers have like I mean obviously like not saying that the Dino Charge Rangers don't feel a sense of duty to what they're doing. They are clearly excited by the fact that, oh my god, we're Power Rangers, that is so cool. And Tyler, especially, finds it really cool that they're Power Rangers. Last season, with, like, Troy just kind of being, like, gruff leader type, and then Jaden just being like, it is my sacred duty to be a Power Ranger and protect the Shiva clan, and I will have no emotions or fun whatsoever. Um... (laughs) I was about to say, it's been since Max and someone's really been excited to be, like, a Power Ranger, particularly a Red Ranger. Yeah. like, Casey was like, what the fuck? I'm just a new guy. I'm the new guy. I don't even know what I'm doing. And then, like, obviously no one's excited to be a Power Ranger in RPM because the world is ending. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, Scott's just like, well, shit's happening. My brother's dead. My dad and I have a fraught relationship. Yeah, things are great. Yeah, and no. then and then Jade is like, uh, it can't be close to anybody. And then Troy has no personality. Yeah, and then like, even if you loop Lauren into that, Lauren's whole thing is like, I have been training for this one particular thing in isolation my entire life. <laughs> like, no, yeah, it's like it's just, it's been a while since we've had anybody that was like truly excited in a leadership position to be a Power Ranger. Yeah. Um, so kind of with that, uh, we're, we're going to go on to mm-hmm. our characters. Uh, we're going to go to Chase Randall, who's Dino Charge Black, and he, he starts off as New Zealand's, the biggest New Zealand fuckboy. Yeah, which sounds like it's a rejected flight of the Concord song when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's very interesting, he's also like, the first, he was actually the first Dino Charge Ranger to uh, appear in modern time. The first inter-gym bond with a human was Coda, but the first time, like, their shit happened with that. We'll get into But yeah. Chase was kind of the first Ranger to really show up. Yeah. And his, his biggest character growth, really, this season is, uh, it, he's the one who's, like, the biggest character growth, I think, of all, in ter- like, just as a person, uh, is he has to learn this season particularly he has to learn not to put others' interests down, which was a very good episode with like him and Shelby. Yeah, because uh, where- Shelby likes this boy band called the NZ Boys. Yeah, and like he spends like a good chunk of the episode just making fun of her for it, which makes her feel really bad. And then like when she almost dies, and he kind of realizes that he's being a total prick about it. <laughs> And it, it was also fucking with, like, his powers. Yeah. He was like, oh, man, I shouldn't be an asshole. 
And it ends up winning tickets to go see them in the end. Because, you know, her, him being late about going to work caused her to not get tickets for the mm-hmm. uh, the concert. And it was kind of a, you know, Chase goes through a lot of these kind of learning moments where he kind of has to learn that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around him. Because he has, like, another one where he kind of butts it. He and Riley butt heads, like, because Riley's very just very different from Chase. But he also doesn't want to see Riley's point of view either. You're right. And because it's, it's so, really because Riley, like, Riley also has to kind of learn from that because he thinks that Chase doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah. And it also goes to show, and like what we said with the, the fuck boy thing is, Chase just start like, the first interaction we see him with Shelby, they've known each other for a while, it seems. And like, uh, it feels like this is the like just as co-workers and then like chase is like why why don't we go on a date or something i forget like what she what he said that was just a cheesy pickup line she's like does that even work on new zealand girls and he's like no <laughs> yeah because chase is just he oh is... why don't we yeah Ch- why don't we cut to the chase and catch a movie is yeah that's oh that's it yeah, Chase is just like he is so fucking straight. Like, <laughs> we'll we will get to that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But like, he is just so fucking straight, so obsessed with girls, but doesn't even know how to like actually like talk with them, talk with them properly. He definitely uh, like he also treated Tyler differently than Shelby. Because, you know, Tyler asked for help. He was very straightforward and helpful. And then when Shelby asked for help, he asked her out. Yeah, like, he's that kind of straight. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just about to say, it's just like, because it, 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 that's part of his character arc, too, is learning how to be, like, and we'll talk about this more next episode. It's just like, he has to actually learn how to, like, be an actually good boyfriend. And, yeah. like, but first he has to learn to actually treat the women that he works with like a person. <laughs> Yeah, or really, like, that particular, and then, like, also, it's, like, just because people are, you know, different than you doesn't mean, like, you have to butt heads with them. You can find common ground. Uh, it just, 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 Chase overall is a very, like, he goes from very selfish, and we'll talk, pick this up again in Supercharge, he goes from very, like, the selfish member of the party to one of the more selfless members of the party. Oh, and- for sure. And kind of one of the softer, I guess, character mo- like character develop is he and Shelby really become like the best of bros. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, I think one of the things that kind of helps like break the kind of the crack in the wall with um with Chase and his character is the fact that he is very devoted to his family. Yeah. Um. Uh- there was this whole, especially this season, there was this whole thing. He's missing his family, and then his sister comes, uh, and like over with a dance troupe, and you know they he gets to see his you know sister, and like Ranger duty keeps him from really hanging out with her, and he's really bummed about that. But hey, she got a ticket for him to go to New Zealand in Christmas. Which ties into the Christmas episode! Yeah, and that, like, comes back, because it's, like, it gets mentioned, because at some point later in the season, they do actually, quote-quote, go to New Zealand, which just cracked me up. 
Um, it, it's the, it's got the same vibe as the episodes in Mighty Morphin. We're like, oh, we're going to go to Australia for some <laughs> reason, not because we're totally filming in Australia for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna have fun in Australia. I mean, they had a they had a quote quote reason to be in it's- New Zealand, but it was also just like, uh, let's just film around the city in New Zealand and give them a chance to actually be in New Zealand because we're, yeah. we're well, we're here. But yeah, so like they can't go and visit Chase's family because they live on like the op like they live on the West Island or something like that. Yeah. So like but he mentions like it then in that episode it's like it's okay, I'm going to go see them at Christmas. So the, the end of the, like the Christmas episode happens and they have to save Santa but he misses his flight cuz of it. He's super bummed. And then Santa appears last minute and he gets <laughs> uh, he gets to ride on Santa's sled. But also, kind of the bigger thing that also happens, because one, he keeps his promise as a brother, and mm-hmm. his sister is so delighted to, to, like, hey, how'd you get here? Oh, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I think he said last minute flight or yeah. something. He lied about hitching a ride with Santa. But uh, he ended up getting everyone, uh, he went to a printer store and he got everyone a puzzle piece that was a portrait of them in a large group picture. Yeah. And it was basically to make a giant Christmas card for everybody that said Merry Christmas. And I'm like, Chase at the beginning of the season wouldn't do this. Yeah, I know. I don't even think Chase... (laughs) Chase would not even consider presents for anybody. I think Chase would have gotten, like, pictures of him. Like, a giant portrait of him that says Merry Christmas. Yeah. Everyone was like, well, but instead he did a, like, a, like, he took, like, a group photo and, like, oh, everyone likes to solve a puzzle, so I'll make it a puzzle for them to get a Christmas card together. And I'm like, aw, yeah. he screw up. Yeah, it's really, it's a really nice, like, character progression for him. Like, even just in this season, and, like, seeing that kind of expand out more in Supercharge. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we also want to note, his big ADHD energy. Oh my god, yeah. Like, if like, you could probably, like, wave off what we would say about Shelby as being neurodivergent or whatever, but, like, you cannot say that about Chase, because Chase exhibits classic ADHD symptoms. <laughs> Unless, like, he forgets things. He, uh, in the I don't have much of a permanent memory, uh, my favorite really is, like, he, like, to do certain things he has to stem, like, write a skateboard. You know, or, you know, listen to his music, you know, because he, he will listen to music a lot when he works. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fidgets, you know, it's like everything about him, including like rushing into things and being kind of dumb. Yeah. I say this is a big, dumb ADHD boy. Because <laughs> uh, uh, they were like, it was the episode uh, where you find out how he got his powers. Like, everyone was wondering why Moana, like, trusted him. Like, like he seems flaky and everything and she's like because he saved my cat once while on a skateboard yeah and he's shown to be very when he's focused when he's hyper focused basically he's you know he's trustworthy yeah because i think it's that he had to overcome like this curse that was put on him and like he could only do it with really intense focus and like once he gets on his skateboard he's able to like snap out of it yeah, and which I love how that episode ends, where like, cause it was a whole thing where he needed to clean the floors or cl- do cleaning, and he didn't want to do it. Oh yeah, Coda tricked him to taking his shift on it. Yeah, but like he just skates across like the hall and just mops that way. 
and like with his headphones on and then it's like coda aren't you supposed to clean the floors uh yeah oops i looked at the wrong schedule <laughs> i think he says i forgot <laughs> oops yeah it was something like that it, it was basically he tricked chase into doing the floor clean <laughs> so i get big trans man vibes from him i i don't know how to describe it i just i just do i think i do I, like the zesty what is it the zesty straight joke which wish trans men who like women yeah i think you you described this to me like last night when we were writing yeah. the episode of just like there's a, there's this meme of what's like i thought i was a lesbian but i'm actually a trans man so i guess i'm just a like and then it's like a picture of some product that's a zesty straight <laughs> he got, he definitely kind of comes off as like the i'm not like most girls to uh kind of a bit of a douchebag pipeline that sometimes happens mm-hmm. uh not so much anymore because people are better at there's there's more role models to masculinity i think than what there used to be and especially now that people are like People more and more have the message of you don't have to pass as male through acting like an asshole. Right. Because this was, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but like this got put, this would get pushed on you in therapy. It's like, you need to act more like a man, how a man acts and everything It would it, by, by cis people. I'm not going to really get into that because that is a journey of it itself. Right. But... He definitely just kind of has that that big just trans boy energy of definitely on the softball team and was a skater. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, it's like, okay, that, like, you describe it that way, it's like, that makes sense of, like, kind of how he would have been in high school or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, when it, like, here's the thing about us on this podcast is most of the time with, like, since trans head cannons, I'm just sort of like, you know what? Sure. Yeah, I can see yeah. it. Yeah. I don't have to I don't have to justify it with you guys. Yeah. No, you don't have to justify shit. Like either way, whether or like Chase is trans or cis, he definitely learned how to be a douchebag from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made the joke his dad. Probably. <laughs> and like, where's his dad? Out for a pack of smokes? <laughs> and, oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we went there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, like either any way you see Chase, he still has kind of that toxic masculinity, like patriarchal douchebag shit going for him, and he has to unlearn that. Like, yeah, I think that transcends a- whatever gender identity you have. Because some, especially around my age, like mm. you just sometimes get into a toxic masculine phase, and it's the worst. <laughs> and then you get over it, and you're like, "Wow, I'm glad I got over that." Yeah, it's like I have improved as a person. <laughs> uh, so we're trans. We're we're, we're going into uh, one of our favorite rangers, uh, Coda. Yes, Coda, the best boy. Not not the cat, Coda, the actual character. Yeah. Uh, he is the nicest boy and also the hungriest boy. Yeah, and also, as you said about, like, Coda, he's also somehow the most neurotypical of all the rangers. <laughs> I, I found that so funny because I was just like, ADHD, autism, probably the combo. Yeah. Coda just seems normal. Like, seems like his brain's running pretty normally. Just a little trauma. Yeah. It's, it, it's a, trauma does a lot to your brain, you know. 
Yeah, but like again, since he's a caveman, like literally a caveman, he's just sort of like he just seems a little slow compared to the rest of us. Which, like, no, he's not slow. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't understand modern human English and like modern human trappings. Yes, the morphing grid will help Ivan out with with human English, but not Coda. Jerk grid. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into jerk. that. <laughs> I just wanted to call the morphing grid a jerk. Yeah, no, the morphing grid is a jerk. Um, <laughs> this this entity, this uh, this life force, whatever you want to call it, is a jerk. Yeah, he's kind of just the nicest boy, uh, and a lot of his kind of stuff just kind of comes from adjusting to modern life. Also, he just really loves food. Like, oh my he- god. Well, I'll be fair to to Coda is, as said, he's a caveman. We're not sure at what point in time mm-hmm. he was a caveman, uh, but he he definitely came from the you know early early mankind. Yeah, and uh, saved basically he found an inner gym, and his brother was about to get eaten by a saber toothed tiger, a really bad CGI one, but I digress. Yeah, and essentially he fell into some ice, and the inner gym kept him alive. Yeah, for I think ten thousand years. Yeah, a long ass time. He's adjusting to the new world. He, he's mostly gotten like a lot of things down, like communication, uh, wearing clothes. Apparently, was a big thing that they had to get him adjusted to. But when it comes to food, I'm like, you know, he's probably used to like, uh, at most, like a uh, uh, a mammoth roast. And where he is like, oh my god, what is on this burger? Lettuce, tomato, what, what, what's ketchup? This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so he is just having he he's he's a he's a man in time like from from the past who's like, oh my god, the culinary trappings of this world rules. Yeah, I I love the running joke about like whenever like somebody like we'll just ask him casually as a joke we'll be like were you born in a cave and he'll just be like no i was born on a mammoth hunt mammoth hunt (laughs) (laughs) oh he said no he specifically says born on mammoth hunt like he's very proud of that fact yeah mom couldn't make it back in time (laughs) and uh, yeah he's uh that's kind of his big thing is he's he's a man out of time he's getting adjusted but he's also his it's definitely like a found family situation Mm -hmm. this is where i think not only the ice, but a little bit of the kind of the trauma kind of comes in is he he misses his family. And that's more in supercharged that he just bonds with the hell out of the Rangers. Like they're his new family now. Yeah. Like I think he even specifically says that you're my tribe now in one episode. Yeah. And uh, I think it's actually the episode we're about to go into where the monster is a monster that cut the bonds of the Rangers and it couldn't cut Coda's bonds with anybody. Because Coda loved the Rangers so much that, like, he could not, like, like, they could not, like, cut those bonds. Like, he was just. Yeah. And because I think it was, like, specifically, like, I forget why it was just Riley. Because I think it was, like, Riley was, like, away from everybody else at the time. Yeah. So, like, him and Riley have to figure out how to, like, reestablish the bonds of the team. And they actually use coda like coda's bonds with the rest of the team to trick the monster and kind of fix everything yeah but yeah that's how much coda loves like his friends and like it it comes up again like over and over it's just like coda just loves everybody and gives very good hugs yes uh he even like saves a a kid like 
he's you know this, this kid gets basically this monster was going after rangers and trapping them in cages and this kid you know gets accidentally trapped with coda mm-hmm. and coda helps him out of this cave and coda is nothing but the nicest fucking person to this kid yeah this kid's whining like my my leg's broken and all that other crap I think it and, helped that, like, Coda was seeing, like, his his own little brother yeah. in this situation and what he would do for, like, his own little brother. Yeah. Like, Coda has a great deal of empathy yeah. for others. And he's just like, I'm going to do what I normally do with my brother. Here's me, you know, doing some old skills to help this kid out and get out of the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, I think the, the last thing I want to talk about with Coda and adopting the normal, adapting the normal life is, uh, it's surprisingly decently accurate, I feel, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like people underestimate humans. Right. And humans are just as smart in the past as they are today. Right. People, we we are just as capable and smart back in the past and back in the day. So he's, you know, a lot of things are going to be new and it's a culture shock, but he's going to be able to adjust to them. He's not... You know, like, a lot of people write people from the past as just being completely dumb. And it's like, no, it's just people didn't... Modern science helped open a lot to how the world actually works. And people just kind of had to figure it out back then. Yeah, like, listen to anything about, like, I think my favorite, uh, one of my favorite episodes of Puppet History was talking about smallpox. The smallpox um, uh, Mm -hmm. epidemic. And how, like... They had kind of had to overcome it in the United States, bef- like before the United States was the United States, or during the American Revolution, mm-hmm. and like a lot of this was just kind of before germ theory was really a thing. So like they were just kind of making their best guess on inoculation, which worked um, for the most part. They just hadn't like really figured out like how like we just hadn't figured out vaccines yet that was st- that was still going to be like another 100 years like before the american after mm-hmm. the american revolution but like people were figuring out how to inoculate yourself against smallpox way before then sort of just on their best guess of like how science worked or um another thing that kind of comes up that reminds me is uh we didn't we haven't known about vitamin c and, and just vitamins in general until very modern times i think late 20th century like in the 1900s yeah uh like but before that people knew like citrus like you know ships and stuff would have citrus fruit people would eat citrus fruit and it would help them not have scurvy basically yeah like <laughs> sorry there's people, there's a joke about yeah. that in our flag means death but i will not <laughs> Okay. The, the teeth don't grow back. The teeth don't grow back. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like scurvy. Uh, oh, there's a lot of like weird vitamin like deficiency stuff that people are like, oh, like rickets. It's like, oh, if you eat X, you won't get rickets or scurvy or something. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until much later they found out why, you know, eating citrus made you not get scurvy. Because scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency. Right. So it's one of those things, like, people can adapt and can really figure things out. You know, human beings are very powerful in terms of being Mm -hmm. able to figure out tools, things out, and everything. So Coda, you know, while, like, a lot of things are still very 
different from him. A lot of it is like basal animal instinct that mm-hmm. everyone has. It's just his comes out different. Yeah. You know, like loud noise obviously means like, oh, he's in danger instead of we're used to the sound of cars. Right. And like another thing that kind of is would be surprisingly accurate about Coda is his sense of empathy because like, you know, because oftentimes they, you know, there's this myth around, oh, survival of the fittest. Like, you know, humans survive this long because, like, you know, they were the strongest and they, you know, they didn't put up with any weakness or, like, you know, they killed all of their, like, competition, whatever. And, like, there's a lot of science that shows that's not true. Like, I, w- I was trying not to laugh through this because it's, like, it is, survival of the fittest is such a fucking joke. Yeah, like, there have been found, like, skeletons of Neanderthals, I believe, or just early cavemen, where, like, it's very clear that, like, this person was suffering some sort of, like, debilita- like debilitation, like they had broken a leg, or they were just born um, with some sort of birth defect that caused them not to walk as well. And, like, instead of just, like, leaving this... But, like, that showed that this person, like, this skeleton grew older, and, like, so it's the the fam, like, so whatever tribe they had, instead of le- leaving them to die, like, took care of whoever this, like, this person was. And, like, the other thing about, like, the initial guess of, like, because Homo sapiens were not the only humans that evolved. There were several other types of humans, like Neanderthals, um, I forget some of them. This is, like, this is all in, um, uh, the Earth, uh, Earth Before Us by Abby Howard. Uh, but there's all these different types of humans, and, like, there's initially the suspect of, like, oh, well, like, Homo sapiens must have just, like, killed off all the other human tribes. It's like, no? <laughs> well... We, we evolved from those Homo sapiens because they, uh, got busy with the other ones. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I, Abby puts it in such a way... That, like, yes, she manages to sell, like, this book is aimed at children, so she says, oh, yeah, we just loved them out of existence. And, like, that's a way to put it. (laughs) Um, Basically, just that the fact that we kept having sex with all these other tribes that eventually they all just kind of died out, but we carried the DNA of them forward. (laughs) It's basically we just, like, uh, we took them in, basically. Yeah. Uh, It's like, okay, you're like us, cool, and now we have basically modern humans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I think it is just, it, it's, like, suspected that, like, red hair is, like, a specific DNA trait carried over from this one particular sect of humans that was, like, up way north that could travel down south. So, like, mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, cool! <laughs> you have cool hair! Oh, do you need help? Okay, let's, 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 let's pull resources. Yeah. And it's, it's just, I'm going to say... I feel like the survival of the fittest shit like that, that that is such a European colonization, like, thought process. Oh, for sure. I, like, the biggest example I feel like that is, like, everyone was convinced that something happened to the lost calling of Roanoke. Even even though for ages the Croatoans were like, we, we took them in. We we took them in, and it took, like, re- like, like people were like, oh, well, we found out that the Croatoans just took them in. The Croatoans were like, we fucking told you that for years! Yeah, that was you like... you guys were like, aliens! <laughs> that was the most obvious theory, because they wrote on the, like, trees, Croatoa! Croatoa. <laughs> they were told you, they, they told you where they went! <laughs> and yeah, people were like, aliens must have abducted them. It's like, no! <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> but yeah 
Coda, who is not marred by modern shit, is just gonna have basic human empathy. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm trying. I know Teeny Howard recently recommended a book about like how like yes humans are actually inherently good and care for other humans it's just the systems that are in place that try to keep us from believing otherwise yeah i uh, i'll i'll look it up and put it in the show notes because she put it in her newsletter fairly recently so so, so if you learn anything from ranger's plane is humanity really became one evolution is just random happenstance half the fucking all the time it's just yeah. random shit yeah and what what caused humans to kind of come where they are today is um our decent land speed long distance land speed the fact that we have iron guts that can just eat any like nearly anything poisonous mm-hmm. and um but also the fact that yeah we just we have great empathy we have such great empathy we'll take care of animals who will bite us yeah barda <laughs> <laughs> joe <laughs> Not to call out our cats or anything, <laughs> but yeah, Coda's just a good, good, hu- good, good, good human boy. Yes, we, so, we love Coda. He's the best. Uh, so let's let's move on to Riley Griffin, who is uh, our Dino Church Green. Um, he comes off very gay and trans and very autistic. Oh yeah, like. <laughs> This is like like one of your trans head cannons where I'm just like no I fully agree on this one <laughs> like this is not just a you know I could see it but I'm not certain if I see it that way I'm like no you're right you are absolutely 100 percent right on this one <laughs> this boy is trans and gay yeah and he's new in town <laughs> and he's new in town Li- he also literally because he came from a farm <laughs> he came from he. It later kind of comes into play later, but he's like, I don't want to be a part, like, he doesn't, he feels very different from his, like, family who is on a farm. Also, it looks like his dad's no longer there, though I just have a feeling his dad's just dead. Yeah. that That's more of a feeling, your dad's dead, not your dad's no longer, your dad went for a pack of smokes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling Chase is a child of divorce. <laughs> um, but, um. He, uh, one of the things we kind of noticed, he's definitely a gifted kid that needs, he needs to learn way more about the world than he has. He's, hasn't been much outside of the farm in his high school. Yeah, and like, I I will definitely say this about Riley, because this is a lot of what I had to go through when I started encountering people in the real world, is that when you are kind of like, when you grow up knowing that you are very smart and you're probably smart, you feel like you're smarter than everybody else around you, at some point you kind of have to learn, oh, I don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to learn to actually be a human with empathy and understanding. Um, Like, the best way, like, the best film I can actually refer to that point is probably Booksmart. Um, Because, like, Booksmart was fucking me in high school. Like, oh my god. (laughs) But, yeah, like, that's kind of Riley's thing, is that he kind of has to, like, put aside his own ego and, like, his belief that he's smarter than everybody to kind of learn how to, like, interact with people on their level. Like, especially because we talked about it with the episode with Chase, where he thinks that Chase is not taking things seriously. When it's like, no, Chase is taking things very seriously. He's just kind of doing it in his own way. Yeah. Uh, 
that was kind of like the big one for him. And also that's where we kind of have the weird, like vague gay line, like much like when, um, when, uh, RJ was talking about how like him and his dad parted ways and all that. And you're like, this kind of sounds like a gay narrative. Same thing with Chase. Cause just, or not Chase, but Riley was telling Chase, it's like, you know, I, you know, I, I always felt like I was different than what people wanted me to be mm-hmm. and an expectation and, you know, I learned that now that, you know, I can't, you know, people are different. But also just came off kind of like, are, are you saying you're gay? Yeah, because, like, this comes up again in Supercharged. Like, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but, like, I still remember that episode with Shelby's. Like, you know what? When I grew up, like, my family wanted me to be a cowboy like the rest of them, but I didn't want to be a cowboy. <laughs> it's like, I mean, cowboys are gay, but I, okay, I get it. <laughs> Uh, I definitely think, or- like, Riley probably listens to Orville Peck now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Riley listens to Orville Peck and sobs. <laughs> and, and probably maybe also, like, maybe embraces a little bit of the country boy life. Yeah. A little, little country gayness. Because it took me a while to embrace country gayness, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I think that's- uh, I think that's just a mood. Like, if you grew up kind of queer in the South, like, yeah. I feel like you kind of, like- I'm not saying this is a universal experience. I'm not saying everybody goes through this, but like, I feel like there is a common ground of people who grew up queer in the South or queer in country ish, like, you know, stations like uh, Riley does, where like you kind of try to shy away from that pr- back part of your background. And then at some point, you just kind of embrace it. <laughs> yeah. Like it t- took me a while to get into Dolly Parton. Now I love her. Yeah, like Dolly Parton is a national fucking treasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of going back to Riley. It's like, like I said, big trans vibes from him. I cannot like. I'm not the only person that thinks it, but it's just like God. You are. You are definitely like. You you are a year from like taking you're a year into taking testosterone and you're you're like still exploring yourself. But yeah, like especially like the way that like this is like this is an aside, this is the most fucking shirtless season of Power Rangers I've ever seen in my life. Riley's not only shirtless like once at the end of it. Yeah, and like his yeah, Riley barely takes his shirt off in comparison to like Chase, Coda, Tyler. And he's wearing like this, like he's wearing a lot of layered clothing too. Yeah, (laughs) I like I did that. (laughs) Yeah, this is sort of the part of like knowing you and like knowing other trans guys and like watching Riley. It's like, yep, no, your head cannon is one hundred percent correct in my mind. Uh, but yeah, though, he's, he's definitely, I kind of grown to like him mm-hmm. a little bit more, because it's like, okay, you're just a weird southern queer boy who's trying to, who's also a gifted kid trying to learn more about the world and having to learn empathy, and it kind of comes from the Sheldon, like, autistic coded type to really, like, you know, he definitely still, that boy definitely has autism, but it's definitely in yeah. more of a, like, not cringy Sheldon way. Yeah, like, it, it feels like he would be the type who learned that, like, he had, you know, what they would call Asperger's, or high-functioning autism, quote-quote, like, early in his life, and he kind of made it, like, 
he kind of turned into like maybe the stereotypical presentation of that of just being very like very smart mm-hmm. you know getting things done but very just off-putting to people and like kind of on purpose sometimes <laughs> yeah because again he thinks that he's so smart and that he knows better than everybody else and then like he has to get to know people and le- realize he don't know shit <laughs> I also want to talk about the saying about him being a trans boy is also his, we'll get into this more later, but definitely his, like, I need to be physical like a boy. Oh, yeah. Like, his whole fucking <laughs> thing about, like, at, at least, because like, that doesn't really come up, like, it comes up a little bit in Dino Charge, but especially in Dino Supercharge, where, like, with Home Run Coda and the episode with, like, his high school rival, Bert. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was thinking, like, in this one, like, you see him, he trains, like, really, he's hardcore about his training mm-hmm. and everything. He's like, I need to have the physicality. Yeah. Um, but also, because he he is a very smart guy, uh, he does help the, ra- I think that comes in the point where he, uh, where he eventually, because uh, the, the rangers get trapped in, like, a, a, tra- Basically, a never-ending maze. Oh yeah, it was like they, it was kind of like the weird. It's like the weird glitch house from the Animatrix, you know? Yeah. So he he basically like plays the long game with the monster. The monster's like, "I'm so smart. I'm going to be able to beat you in chess." When really, like Riley is essentially getting everyone to realize where the exit is. Yeah. Because, like, he figured it out and was just, like, use that, like, math knowledge to, like, shoot angles with, like, marbles or something like that. Yeah. Oh, God, Riley would be killer at pool. Yeah. Uh, And then he also does defeat the monster at at chess, but because the monster is so braggadocious, he essentially, like, uses that against the monster to go through his plan. Oh, yeah. It's essentially, like, the fucking, um... The scene with, I forget the name of Wallace Shawn's character in The Princess Bride, but, like, you know the one I'm talking about with the poison yeah. cups. It's like, don't get into, uh, uh, don't get in a land war with, um, with a Sicilian when death is on the line. No, no, it's like, don't, <laughs> don't get in a land war in, oh, whatever, just don't, don't make a bet with a, a Sicilian when death is on the line is the quote from that. Yeah, that's how the yeah. monster comes across and he gets totally had by Riley. Um... But yeah, no, I think yeah, that's a, like that's a good like that's pretty much like Riley's arc is that he's very smart. He's kind of the team brain outside of like Miss Morgan, um, and he kind of has to learn how to cooperate with others and like be an empathetic person. Yeah, it's it sounds like he just freshly got out of high school. He's like he turns eighteen this uh, in the series. Yeah, so. and like it's like implied that like especially in Dino Charge. That this is taking place over the summer because his family is like his like his older brother and his mother are like, okay, you can go away to Amber Beach for the summer, but we got to come back to the farm at the end of the summer. Yeah. Um. So now we move on uh, to uh, Sir Ivan of Xandar. <laughs> he is our Gold Ranger. He. Oh my God! He is the sassiest gay. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know how, like, he just comes across as the sassiest gay that ever gayed, like, coming out of Fury, but... Uh, his whole thing reminds me of Frog from Chrono Trigger, who is your, more your Middle Ages character in this time travels, Mm -hmm. uh, JRPG, 
from 1995. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks very proper, but he's he's also a little sassy mm-hmm. and also was a knight. Yeah. So. No, my favorite, one of my favorite bits of Ivan in this part, it's like towards the end of the season when we're just starting to, like, try to find who's going to be the new Purple Ranger. Um, like, I, I had actually gotten this confused and think it was supercharged when we wrote this episode. Um, but, like, one of my favorite, like, sassy gay moments with him was, um, he, like, with the Wish episode. He says, oh, I wish for anything a knight does to save a damsel in distress. And, like, he saves one of the, like, background employees at the, um, at the cafe from falling off a ladder. And she's like, oh, how can I ever repay you? He's like, oh, like, a knight's duty is all the pain I need. Now, will you kindly go and scrub the grill? <laughs> it's just, he's so sassy. <laughs> Oh my god. And like, so the whole thing about Ivan is that he is absorbed into Fury and kind of has to escape. And as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of a red herring. Because they kind of thought it was Tyler's dad. And when they first kind of introduced the character, very oddly enough, they had a portrait of him. Yeah, I don't know how, like... But I guess I guess it was supposed to be a painting. Yeah. Like, uh, we don't have time for the painting. We'll just put it through a Photoshop filter. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, it is like the concept of the Knight of Xandar is introduced in the Gem of Xandar, which is very clearly the gold inner gem. Yeah. So like they they do introduce the, the concept of the Knight of Xandar, but like obviously like it's it seems like they're just setting up like initially kind of like oh this is just background thing maybe setting up another ranger which they do technically do that they do technically do that with the whole xandar plot line but like it's not it doesn't seem like it's not super obvious or maybe it is super obvious and i don't i'm just pulling something out of my ass here but (laughs) i didn't really notice this till like the the fifth or sixth watch i'm like oh okay they actually are they're they're hinting at it enough but obviously they want it to be a red herring yeah because they are very late like the way that the characters are talking they're setting it up that it's going to be tyler's dad but everything else and kind of in the surrounding like story is like no it's going to be tied into xandar somehow so Thanks to the characters being too absorbed in everything else, it's like you just kind of like, oh, okay, this is the stuff with Xandar going on. Yeah, like they, we, this, like they, it just sets it up as Xandar being the um, the facet in which they need to get the gold energy, and that's it. Yeah. So basically, with the the story of the night of Xandar, he was uh, traveling with the prince at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, they stopped for some water, and they noticed this thing in the and they noticed the gold inner gym and essentially uh you know ivan picks it up and fury comes out it's like oh it's a gold inner gym and so ivan steps in to protect the prince and uh because of the inner gym's powers he basically gets absorbed into fury but the inner gym and fury it causes fury to run away uh, and the inner gem basically is, you know, the 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 Princess Xander picks it up and it is a royal treasure. Yes, and specifically, but, like it, he does bond with the gold energy gem before this happens. So, like it is, it has been tied to him for eight hundred years, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So finally, he's they they're able to find something to separate whatever is going on with Fury, especially since Fury was able to get the gold energy gem mm-hmm. and all that. 
And, you know, they discover it's Ivan. And, you know, Ivan, it's very interesting because he's introduced and, you know, Prince Philip is the, 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 the third? Yeah, Prince Philip the third. Yeah, he he's there. He's we'll get into him in a bit, and you know he's like, oh, your duty should should be to stay here and all this, and so they show Ivan around, uh, you know their their base of operations, and Ivan's like, cool, I'm leaving, and it's I found that such an interesting thing that the six, basically the six ranger shows up. And, you know, he doesn't really know any of them and acts like how anyone would if you don't know anybody. Yeah. Because I think it takes him, like, an episode or two for him to be like, okay, I will join your I will join your team. Like, he initially, like, in that episode, like, he, he goes out and finds his own Knights of Xandar, which are just some people that he met in Amber Beach that he thought were brave warriors. <laughs> and it is the most <laughs> ragtag group of motherfuckers you've ever seen in your life. A magician, uh, a a cross uh, a a cross stop guy, basically. Yeah, like a crossing guard, a magician, an old lady on her scooter that stopped a purse snatcher, um, a guy playing a tuba, yeah, <laughs> and a referee. <laughs> yeah, it's just this is okay, and um. Yeah, there's this whole, this whole episode where he has to gain the tr- uh, the trust. And once once he's he's there, he is he does pledge his loyalty, and the the loyalty of from from a knight of Xandar is is he is loyal to li- for life. Yep. Um, and kind of the biggest comedy or the uh, biggest thing around him is, and this is this big comedy too, is he often does not understand modern life and. When he'll describe things, like, he'll describe it on how he knows it. Like, ah, digital portraits. Yeah, I will say that, like, I think out of all of the Rangers, him and Coda probably have the closest connection, even though they are probably, they they have more distance in between them than, like, uh, Ivan does with the rest of the Rangers. Yeah. But I think that's because, like, Coda is so fucking time displaced <laughs> that, like, and- they, there's, a, there's a similar relation there. Like, same hat! <laughs> Same hat, same hat. That joke comes in later. We'll talk about that one. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those, uh, a lot of the comedy kind of comes from him. A lot of it just kind of comes from him trying to understand modern life and also modern sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Because he's kind of, he's sassy in a very bullheaded way sometimes. Oh, for sure. And, like, I think that, yeah. Yeah, he kind of has to learn to not be so bullheaded or quick on his feet or something, you know, or just quick to judgment. Oh, yeah. And, like, um, I think, yeah, that's a part of kind of his character growth as well, is is that. Uh, we did find it hilarious, though, that's very clear all the rangers have a crush on him, especially the dudes. Everyone's just like, oh, my God, and... They are all very fascinated with him, and uh, even Chase, who is a zesty straight, uh, it's like is like <laughs> even Chase is like, oh man, yeah, this guy's hot. Yeah, I I, uh, I I just have a feeling Chase at some point is like, I'm not gay, but I'd suck Ivan's dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is def- that is definitely Chase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um 
Yeah, like, especially the ending where, you know, Tyler is very obviously jealous because, you know, Shelby went and dressed him and all that. And he thinks Shelby likes him and then, like, and because, like, Ivan sees that antagonism and doesn't realize it's over Shelby. He's like, well, fine, I'm going to be antagonistic and asshole-ish towards you. And they work it out. And at the end of it, like, literally, like, Ivan makes Tyler a burger or something. You know, somebody, Ivan, like, somebody thought Ivan made the burger for him. I think it was Coda. Yeah, he's like, no, oh, that's for Tyler. Like, he gives them, like, grilled cheese. Everybody else grilled cheese. Cheeses, where he gives, like, the top of the line burger to Tyler. And then Tyler gets out this, it's so funny, he's, like, in this pink box. And he's like, oh, I, I, I got, I got something. And Shelby thinks it's for her. And she's like, oh, I love presents. It's like, here, Ivan. And it was the coat he ruined. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and that's like the coat that Ivan wears for the rest of the series, too. Because it's just like, oh, my God. It's... And and then he ends it with, like, let's take one of your digital, self-digital portraits. <laughs> we can do the famed duck mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I, I really love that him, like, describing stuff is often him being like, oh, this is like a painting or something, Yeah, you know? it's so funny. <laughs> like, he, he equates it to something in his era. Yeah, like, on, honestly, I think Ivan is probably the funniest Power Ranger that we've ever encountered. Like... <laughs> <laughs> He's funny and sexy. Yeah. <laughs> He's the total package. He's the total... He's a knight in shining armor. He's funny and he's sexy. Yes. Uh, you wanted to point this out about the morphing grid must be translated. Yes. At this point. Okay. Hey, folks, it's your girl, Ashley, uh, kind of popping in a few days after we recorded this episode. So, uh, apparently I can't read. Um, <laughs> uh, I was actually on, uh, Medievalist TikTok last night, specifically, uh, account named Ume Makes Music. And I realized that despite the fact that I did look it up, I totally misread when they actually stopped speaking Old English. So by the time that Ivan would have been alive and in like got sucked in by Fury, uh, he would have been speaking a form of Middle English. Probably an early form based on uh, the fact that this he would have been alive about 100, 200 years before uh, Geoffrey Chaucer, but a Middle English all the same. Uh, either way, we're going to leave this part in, like, we're not going to cut this out, uh, but, yeah, just pretend I'm talking about Middle English instead, or just understand that I goofed up. My point, oh, my overall point still stands, that whatever version of English, if Ivan is speaking English at all, that he's speaking is very different from what our modern English is. Like, it's not just going to be English with a fancy accent. Okay. Okay, so if we say this is, like, 2014 or so, even then, like, if we go back 800 years from even now, that would be around the time that the main version of English that was spoken was Old English. So, like, if you have, like, a dual translation of Beowulf, like I do, um, what's gonna be on usually the left side of the page is what's actually be would actually have been spoken versus our our own modern English. So, um and that's just assuming, okay. Cause there's a very specific area in which old English was spoken, usually kind of around 
at like kind of in this area around the British Isles and even kind of going up towards like a little bit towards Sweden, but not fully. But like they don't say where Xandar is. Xandar is just sort of this nebulous, like it, it's, it's, it's yeah, <laughs> nebulous small European country. It is like it is similar to like Genovia in the Princess Diaries, where like somewhere in Europe, Genovia exists and Xandar exists. But you know, let's say for the purpose of this particular like like this particular thought exercise because the way that philip talks and ivan talks is that they have british accents that are very proper sounding which is again we know that's just hollywood shorthand for this person's european (laughs) (laughs) um but let's just say okay let's say that proper proper european sexy european would be french oh yeah sexy european sounds like this but like (laughs) now that turned cajun Oh, God. That's her Cajun. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Cajun kind of sexy. I don't know. Yeah, C- Cajun is, is French mixed with Southern. Yeah. So. Anyway, but yeah, so if you need to, like, usually if you need to classify that someone is European royalty in Hollywood, and but you don't want to have them speak any sort of, like, weird Eastern European or Scandinavian accent, or even getting into Italian or anything like that, you just make them sound British. Okay, so let's just say for the purposes of this thought exercise that, like, Xandar is located somewhere in the British Isles. Like, but they're their own small, like, island nation. Like, they, like, that Britain does not fuck with their shit. So, (laughs) if, like, if we put that into consideration, that's why, like, Philip sounds British and Ivan sounds British. Um... Like, basically, through the morphing grid, he would actually be speaking old fucking English. (laughs) Like, he would be sounding like all of those professors that are reading Beowulf out loud. Just being like, wait! (laughs) Or it just sounds like the weird... It it just sounds like... you, You could tell that it's Gaelic, but not really. Yeah. So, like, I just I just want to know what would happen if the morphing grid turned off and all of a sudden he's just out there speaking old English with a very thick accent. So that's that's my own theory, yeah. is that, like... And, and obviously this is, like, this is probably something that carries over to the rest of Power Rangers, where, like, maybe somebody's speaking, like, a different language, a more a different modern language altogether. But, yeah, I think... I, I believe that Ivan is speaking either... Old English or some other old Proto-Germanic language. Did that make sense? Like I said, the mor- yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense. And like I said, the morphing grid's just a jerk, jerk Dakota. Yeah. That or the morphing grid was just like I don't uh, need more data on how people talked back then, like people talked during Coda's time, because that's when also language was in its infancy. Like around Coda's time, we would still be figuring out mo- like spoken language, I believe. Like. Yeah. Like, we had figured out something of a written language in terms of, like, cave paintings and, like, various other things. But, like, we hadn't fully, like, we hadn't fully, like, formed a, like, actual full spoken language, I believe. I could be wrong about that because I'm, like, I'm not as familiar in terms of, like, kind of that evolutionary period of human life. Yeah. But I am just saying that I am fairly certain no, that no matter what version he's speaking, whether he's speaking Old English, Old Frisian, Old Saxon, 
or any of those other Proto-Germanic languages, like, Ivan is not speaking modern English. (laughs) (laughs) Which means everything's being translated back to him in, like, Old English. Yeah, like, I have to assume it's that, like, that's the vibe, like. Much like Star Trek and the Universal Translators. Exactly, like. Like, they're so, not speaking basic. Like, not everybody's speaking basic. So, like, clearly, like, Picard must sound like he's speaking Klingon sometimes. Yeah. It's not always gonna be, like, an episode with the, um... What's the... What are the name of the aliens that speak in metaphors? So it's, not, it's not gonna be, like, the Temerians, um... The Universal Translator hadn't caught up yet. Yeah, like, it doesn't even catch up in Star Trek until around the time of Lower Decks, which takes place probably, like... What? Definitely after Voyager. Because <laughs> um, I think... I think it's after uh, Star Trek Nemesis or whatever. Yeah. The really... Be- yeah, it's it's after the last Star Trek movie. Yeah, like... TNG movie. Yeah, like, because there's a whole joke about it when, like, they had their Tamarian, um, like, security officer about how the mm-hmm. Universal Translator has not quite caught up to uh, the Tamarian language yet. So, like, Kayshawn spends a good chunk of the episode, like, kind of having to, like, struggle with how to translate his thoughts into basic. And, like, you don't see yeah. that in Power Rangers. And I think that would be a very interesting concept to kind of co- uh, come across is, like, yeah, clearly the morphing grid is translating, but it's not a perfect translation. Yeah. So, anyway, I think it kind of got away from the point there. The point being that I don't think Ivan's actually speaking modern English is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You you got into Beowulf really recently, and I'm I just yeah. like let let's let it ride, you know. Yeah, yeah. It is just like I, I had to clarify my interest in Beowulf is not like laid up in anything white supremacist or like anything like that. I just think it's neat. <laughs> you got a good translation for for of it, and you're like, wow, this is actually cool. Yeah. So I'm currently reading my fourth translation. Um. I I, I I have lots of thoughts on why Constance Hyatt like went with a route of doing prose and not verse, but <laughs> yeah, no, you 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 just think it's neat. Yeah, I just um, think it's neat. So, kind of our 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 final ranger. She actually her entire arc gets to become a ranger is Miss Kendall Morgan. She is our down charge purple ranger, and the best way to describe her, I feel like she is a lesbian with intense anxiety and uh, probably autistic. Oh yeah. Like, Kendall has such the hallmarks of at least somebody with anxiety in that she is a fucking control freak. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, okay, I was recently watching, like, the, 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 the Life of on, um, IWTV and specifically the Alex Shelley episodes, and he's talking so much about being kind of a control freak and also talking about the fact that he's had depression and anxiety. I'm like, well, <laughs> that goes together, honey. <laughs> that that does that does go together. Is you want everything to be in control because if it doesn't, you freak out and cry. Yeah, and like Kendall has that in spades because like I think kind of like even if you start with the whole fact that she prefers to be addressed as Miss Morgan. And I think she, I wonder if she's tried to do that, tell Coda that, and he just does not process that. She's like, okay, you can just call me Kendall, it's fine. (laughs) Coda's the exception. Coda's the exception, not the rule. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Kendall is kind of a control freak about, like, trying to find the inner gems, and, like, 
but also maintaining the museum. Like, doesn't even really give an inch whenever, like, she's really asked about, like, you know, especially with Shelby early in the season where Shelby's like, you know, I know this stuff. Let me go on a dig. And she's like, no, you work at the cafe. <laughs> no. Uh, I just realized, like, probably the reason why Coda probably has an issue with Miss Morgan is Coda doesn't know what the fuck last names are. Yeah. And, yeah, he does not, <laughs> yeah, he does not understand the concept of last names yet. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, that, uh, that's a fairly modern invention. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, she, like, like we said at the beginning, she kind of butts it with Shelby, and she's definitely the second mentor of the series. So I guess purple's the mentor color? Yeah, I guess, because if, even if you go back and think about, like, RJ, like, RJ starts off as the mentor and then becomes the Purple Ranger. And, like, I'm trying to think, have we had any other Purple Rangers kind of within, like, mainline Power Rangers up to this point? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, so. Pur- purple's a rare color. It's, I think it's really only until recent decades mm-hmm. that purple became a color to use. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so, like, yeah, but she kind of steps in as, like, the second mentor of the series, where, like, like, Keeper will give the practical advice, but she'll give, like, the Mm -hmm. tactical, like, she's the one who kind of comes up with the tactical plans. Yeah. And also is kind of there to be, like, the older figure that, like, that gives advice as well. Yeah. When she's, when she's socially able to, sometimes she's not really great at that. Oh, no, no. I, I think that also ter- goes into her being the lesbian with anxiety and probably autism. Especially when she she gifted Shelby, she was really excited to give Shelby fossilized dino poop. Yeah. Because it is a very beautiful and rare specimen. <laughs> like, she wasn't doing it because, ah, oh, fuck you, Shelby. It's like, no, she appreciated Shelby and Shelby likes Triceratops. And boy, this is a really rare specimen of that. It's like, yeah, but not everybody is enthused about being given dinosaur poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kendall was just like, I don't understand why everyone's so mad about this. Yeah, it's like, oh, honey. <laughs> Which is how lesbians with anxiety and autism flirt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to call me out like that, God. <laughs> uh, so kind of the big thing from her is kind of her realizing one human connection is very important like that's the big thing for her mm-hmm. like she she does kind of loosen up in a sense of like okay like these guys are my friends uh, you, these guys are my colleagues and my friends i should treat them more like such instead of like we gotta make sure everything's great because the world's gonna end yeah she's, you know, she's she tries to be less of their boss as time goes on yeah, she's she realizes like I can't just be their boss. I ha- I am more of a mentor figure too, though. Yeah, and there's also because of that she, because she's in this auxiliary role. She doesn't like when they get the purple intergem. She doesn't even think about oh, it could bond with me. She's like N- with any of the intergems. She instead like we have to figure out who can bond with this intergem. Yeah, it's it's the opposite of like Prince Philip, and we'll talk a little bit about Prince Philip later. But yeah, it's like the opposite of Prince Philip, where Philip is like trying to do everything to get the inner gem to bond with him specifically. And but for her, she doesn't even think of it. She's like, we're just got to find the purple ranger, which leads into like. (laughs) (laughs) The only way I can describe her idea of trying to find the purple ranger initially is that this girl was watching too much Final Destination was like, guys, I have an idea. 
We're going to come up with a Rube Goldbergian death device. Yeah. You're not going to kill me. You just got to put me in enough danger that somebody will come by and rescue me and bond with the inner gem. <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Surely there's easier ways to do this, but uh, are we going to tell her otherwise? Yeah, pretty much. It was just how she runs into Hackle and also... um. So her big bonding moment was her sneaking on board Sledge's ship to retrieve the purple energy. Yeah, like, that's her big hero moment. Like, she realizes the thing that she's got to do is that, like, they, that she needs to go and retrieve it because, like, there's no guarantee that the other rangers will be able to do so. Yeah. So I think the rangers were, like, a little busy at the time mm-hmm. and also, like, Tyler... And Shelby, who were originally going to be on the ship, like, they were having a big delay. Yeah, so she's just like, well, I gotta step up and do this. And, like, she, like, sneaks on the ship. And she actually, man- she nearly manages to get out of the ship with the Energem uncaught. But, like, is, like, caught at the last second. And becomes the Purple Ranger. Yeah. And Keeper's around, too. And Keeper's like, yeah, like, you were always worthy, Kendall. Yeah, it's like, it was nice. Yeah. Because um, K- yeah. Kendall was even surprised, like, why did it choose me? It's like, you were always worthy. Yeah. Like, it, it is um, kind of uh, weird that she just, like, she just cannot, like, again, lesbian with anxiety and autism, she just cannot see, like, what she's capable of. Yeah. She she knows what she's capable of, she can't see further than that. Yeah. And that's, that's just kind of her, her whole kind of character. Right. Um... Do we have nothing else to say? We can move on to Keeper real quick. Oh, well, we did want to touch on less, one last point about, like, shouldn't she have a oh, PhD yeah. or, like, a doctorate at this point? Yeah, it's... Power Rangers is really fucking weird about women in STEM and not having doctorates. Miss Fairweather, for instance. Uh. Like, if she's working with a military organization of sorts, she should have a PhD. Right, and, like... Haley from uh, Dino Thunder didn't even have anything, I don't think. Even though she went to, yeah, she was going to MIT with Tommy at the same time. And, and like Kendricks from Lost Galaxy, even though she is, she is basically a highly trained like space officer who it seems to have like linguistic studies and everything else. And it's like, nope, she doesn't have one either. It's like okay. So, <laughs> I think the, the only person with a quote-unquote PhD was Dr. K, and I just think that's just because she came up with the name. Yeah. <laughs> I am naming myself, and I am Dr. K. It's like, sure, okay. <laughs> they called me K, and I'm going to add doctor to it, which, fine. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, this is awkward, because she's running a museum. She is a curator. You have to have a higher education for that. Right. So, a lot of people kind of throw around, she's working on her PhD. Yeah, I believe that. Which, which, with, with, you know, when you, when you deal with work and stuff like that, and you're not kind of going through, there is, you know, people will get PhDs just going straight through college, um, and then she, she just might have just kind of, you know, worked in a museum for a while, and she's like, okay, well, I'm still working on it. Yeah, and I have to defend my thesis. Yeah, and it might also be the case where the Amber Beach um, Museum might also be helping her pay for her. Oh yeah, that happens a lot too. Yeah, just helping her pay for continuing education. 
the only people I know who have dot uh, or have PhDs are people who have music PhDs. So yeah. I, I am only familiar how the music pipeline goes, not anything else. Right. Like I could be totally off base about that, but mm-hmm. I mean, having known people who like were working at like working at a job while also studying to get a higher like like um, certification all at that job because the job was helping pay for that. Like that might be it. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. So so yeah, let us let us now move on to Keeper. Mm-hmm. Um He is he it's been a while uh since it's been a while since we had a you know mentor. I think because Gose just sucked that much. And G was kind of he was good, but he was also like he had enough resentment towards other people. Yeah. He wasn't always the best mentor. Keeper has like he he you can tell he loves each of the Rangers very very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really good at also just dispensing life advice. Like, whenever the Rangers are down or they're trying to figure out something, he he's not like, uh, oh, what's her name from Turbo? Demetria, uh, yeah. who just gives gives a fucking riddle and, and makes Tommy confused. <laughs> yeah. Or Zordon, who just handholds. You know, a lot of mentors will just handhold. No, he, he actually, like, gives advice. Mm-hmm. Um... And, uh, so, you know, he'll be like, well, you know, you gotta look at it this way, or, or something. Uh, but he's also a very terrible guardian of the energies. Oh my god, yeah. He is, uh... <laughs> I will just never get over the fact that the episode literally, like, the first episode literally opens with him causing the extinction of the dinosaurs. Because <laughs> he's just like, I'm gonna give the energies to these dinosaurs. Oops, they're dead now! Because <laughs> I blew up uh, Sledge's ship and the asteroids fell on them. Yeah, it's like, good job. Good fucking job, Keeper. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like... But y- y- yeah. I don't know what else to say there. Like, man, you just... Like, yeah, it's like, I, I remember Keeper being a very bad, like, mentor, but then we watched It's like, no, he's actually a pretty good mentor. Just his idea of, like, how he was going to protect the inner gems was very much on the fly and not a good idea. <laughs> no, he, he's a bad guardian. He's a bad keeper, I guess, of the inner gems. Yeah, it's like... But <laughs> but mentoring a bunch of young adults, oh, he's good at that. Oh, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of like... It's the it's one of the jokes from, like, I think, um... Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. Yeah. Where, like... <laughs> Where they would joke often that, like, Wolverine's second mu- uh, secondary mutation is mentoring teenage girls. That- and not in a creepy <laughs> way. It's, just, it's a thing that constantly happens with him. Is that, like, he has He's the- a good dad. He's a good dad. <laughs> um, he's kind- He might be bad at his other social skills, but he will, like, he sees a, he sees a mutant teenage girl in distress. He's going to be like, fine. <laughs> I'm your dad now. I'm your dad now. Like, one of my favorite issues of the original Miss Marvel run written by G. Willow Wilson was there's an episode where, not episode, an issue where Kamala meets Wolverine. And this is in the middle of, like, they're setting up that Wolverine was going to die in canon. And he only stayed dead for a few years because this, this is fucking comics. But, like, <laughs> um... And it's like it's it's leading up to that storyline. Basically, like he's his healing mutation has kind of just not been working the same. 
And like, but he gives like very, he sees that Kamala is like a new hero and he's just like, he gives her very good advice, even though like he is struggling through other things. And I think, you know, <laughs> Keeper has kind of got a similar function in terms of like, was his keeping of the inner gems good? No, but like he sees people are in trouble and like need advice and he will sit there and be the wise man who will give you very good advice when you need it. <laughs> so, you know, do as he say, not as he do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, the TG, the terrifying CGI blinking, though, that was awesome. Oh, no, I didn't even really notice it until, like, he pointed it out, and I was like, oh, no. Now I can't see I anything like, else. Uh, I think it was Kurt that pointed it out, and then we're all like, oh, no. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you guys uh, didn't need to do that. That was, that was unnecessary. <laughs> Uh, so, now we move on to villains. Uh, they are, uh, it's been a while since we had fun villains, but also, like, they, they are, they don't have really deep stories that you're like, oh, dear Jesus, why? Yeah, I, a little bit with Fury, but, like, it's not, it's not, like, um, it's not going back to, like, Jungle Fury with, like, the, oh, dear Jesus, why, like, villain stories. Or, like, two lovers who, uh, did a bad gift of the magi like faustine exchange yeah like that samurai man what the fuck <laughs> that was that was too serious for samurai <laughs> yeah um, um fuck <laughs> yeah so we're on the sledge uh which we put life guy in quotes because he won't marry her yeah he's been putting off marrying poissandra for millions of years like dude put a ring on it already <laughs> Yeah. Uh he's his his flavor is he's an intergalactic bounty hunter asshole. He's he's in it for the money. Yeah. Or to quote Spaceballs, we're not in it for the money. We're in it for a shit ton of money. Yeah, pretty much. That's Sledge. Wasn't Sledge like an original like US creation as well? Yes. Okay. He was an original US creation, so Yeah. Uh that's why he doesn't have a mask on him. Like the others kind of have a like a, a drama mask based on a like emotion and he doesn't. Ah, okay, that makes sense. And but yeah, it is really like like him being like an intergalactic bounty hunter kind of leads to this weird setup of like introducing the monsters of the week, where like they're all monsters that were all in his like intergalactic space prison. And he's like, You'll get your freedom if you kill the Rangers and steal their energy. Yeah, and it never works, obviously. Never went. Yeah, they all get blown up. So, great. You're out, like, whatever amount of, like, space cash they were worth, and they're dead. And you don't have any inner gems. Good job, buddy. <laughs> space bullion, I think. Yeah, space bullion. Like, sure. Okay. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much Sledge. He's fun, but, you know, not much to him. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so we have his uh, his fiance Poissandra, who seems like his fiance for millions of years. Yeah, and uh, this creation called Curio that kind that gets created uh, later, like not not too long after the first episode. Yeah, and they have straight girl and gay best friend vibes. Yeah, that's the only way I could absolutely describe like the the vibes between Curio and Poissandra is that like. Poissandra just has a very overbearing personality, and like I love Poissandra. She's camp as fuck. Um, 
But Voisandra has this very overbearing personality, and she's too straight to, like, be anything else. But Curio, just, he's got a little bit more quiet and a little bit very sassy. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that's clearly just a straight girl and her best gay friend. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely share one fucking brain cell between them. Oh, yeah, and Poissandra has most of that brain cell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big thing about Poissandra, she just really wants Sludge to put a ring on her finger. Yeah, like, so many of her plots go back to, like, we gotta do this and then Sledgeums will finally marry me! It's like, oh, honey... <laughs> Or my favorite was her planning the wedding cakes. Oh, yeah. Like, it's either planning for the wedding or Sledgeons will finally marry me, you know? It's like... One of the two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but, like, kind of the one other thing that we just kind of had to stop with Poissandra is, like, why does she have a Gimp mask? Why are monster designs so horny in Sentai sometimes? Yeah, because, like, the mask she's wearing specifically, it's, like, it's not a full Gimp mask. It's, like, it's it's one that would cover, like, her nose and mouth, but, like, she has the zipper open on it. <laughs> it's just, like, that's a Gimp mask. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little weird. What's up, guys? It's not that Dominatrix. That's, like, it's not the Dominatrix B. Yeah, I mean, nothing can really top the Dominatrix B. Oh, my God, why did I sort of phrase it that way? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so uh, now we move on to F- Fury, who is a furry asshole. That's like the best way to describe him. Yeah, because Fury uh, is kind of the the rain, like the monster in this case that's actually scary. Um, you know, kind of like you know, because in past seasons you usually have like the one, like your main, you know, you'd have your main villain who is kind of like. A weirdo, and then like their their like first lieutenant who is actually like scary, and that's definitely Fury. It, Fury is season one Goldar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. um yeah, he, he's been like we mentioned, like with his his whole thing kind of ties with Ivan. Mm-hmm. So what happened when Keeper caused the extinction of the dinosaurs mm-hmm. was, uh, he. Ended up wandering the earth after that. Mm-hmm. For um, I was wrong. It was not an eon. Uh, it was it was through uh, uh, a period. He he went from the Mesozoic to basically towards present time. Yeah, uh, millions of years before absorbing Ivan, and then he wandered the the earth some more. Yeah, for eight hundred years. Yeah, so so millions of years he's just been on this planet, and then uh. Ends up coming back into, you know, Sledge's army when Sledge comes back and um, takes control of the, the Terrazord for a while because he does steal the gold Energym and stuff. And Ivan escapes. And then after that, Fury's just back to being scary first lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. I forget, like, the logic behind how he managed to, like, because it was like they managed to get the info about making the Terrazord, like, from the, uh, from controlling the Terrazord through, uh, shelby's tracker yeah but like they couldn't fully like they couldn't fully function it because like the energem wouldn't bond with him yeah so the energem already bonded with somebody yeah oh so the energem would not bond with this dude yeah because he's evil (laughs) um all right and then so i guess that's it for fury and kind of the last of the villains to touch on is wrench who is kind of the tech specialist monster and his whole personality is that he just cries a lot he just cries a lot, which same. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's just he's just a sad boy. <laughs> like even his face yeah. is a sad boy. <laughs> yeah. 
so we're we're now to our honorable mentions, you know, kind of characters that showed up that we liked, but they were just, you know, one off. Albert Smith, uh, the cowardly old man for two episodes that the purple energy originally bonded to. Yeah, so um, he was our initial purple ranger. Um he Albert big Yeah. Albert was fun. Yeah, I liked Albert. Like he ran like a Bigfoot hunting like tour in New Zealand. Um with, he loved telling tall tales. Yeah. Like and Tyler really bonded with him, I think. Yeah, it it was it was great. And you know, his whole thing was, you know, he was like, "Well, I'm such a fraud, you know. I didn't really have Bigfoot and all that." And Tyler had to tell him it's like, "But the Energen bonded with you." Yeah, cuz he was cuz yeah. he saved a he saved, you know, he went he was an expert mountaineer and he saved a girl um he saved a girl from like basically freezing to death and the energy found like he found the energy and a bond to him because he did that. Yeah, and like he was using his ranger powers to kind of just be a local hero. Um yeah. and just like helping people in in the town, like in the New Zealand town that he was living in. And like like that is still very honor like that's still very honorable, but like he just didn't he just he was fully admitted that he was just too scared to take on the actual monsters. And also, he was too old. He's like, yeah. I'm 58, dude. Yeah, and like, I, I, I did love though when he stood up to the monsters and was just like acting older than he was. Yeah, <laughs> like that was hilarious. Yeah, pretty much. He's just like, I'm old. I don't think I, I have it in me. So maybe find someone who can do who can take this on. Yeah. Prince Philip the Third. We kind of touched him a little bit on him. We're going to touch on him more next episode. His big thing was he had to learn not to be a douchebag. Yeah, so he does end up um, bonding with the graphite energem at some point. But yeah, his whole thing is that he's got to learn not to be a douchebag. So the the two episodes that we see him in in this particular season, he is when we first meet him, he's like a douchebag prince who. Is very much tied to like honor and like doesn't want to deal with the commoners and like actually is very mad that like Tyler and Shelby were pretending to be Xandar royalty and was taking the 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 Xandar exhibit away yeah. and it was funny he had to learn through Coda who was like ew who is this rube who does not wear shoes yeah well I, I one I we didn't talk about that with Coda but I do love Coda continuously doesn't like to wear shoes because they squish toes. <laughs> Squish toes. They, they eventually just were like open in sandals. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Tevas were the compromise. Yeah. Uh, so it was just kind of, you know, like, ew, this this commoner and Coda, like, later Coda saves his life and he's like, why would you do that to me? I've been an asshole. And Coda's like, because you're another human being. Yeah. So, like, he kind of, like, that. that's a wake up call for him. He's like, I need to be less of a jerk. And, like, I like. I, even Coda called and was like, you're a jerk, but you're another human. Yeah, so, like, he's gotta be like, I, he's gotta, like, I, I've been on some bullshit. I need to stop doing that. So, like, and then the next episode we see him, like, where he does eventually bond with the graphite inner gem. Well, first of all, he finds the inner gem by, like, having it, like, hiring a team of excavators and paleontologists to find it for him. Yeah. And then he gets it, and, like, he's been training this whole time to, like, you know, be a Power Ranger. And, like, he gets it, and it doesn't bond with him right away. So he tries to do all of these good deeds. Like, he's, like, paying for supplies at hospitals. He's feeding the hungry. Like, he's doing all the things, like, a country's ruler should do. Yeah. It's like, you shouldn't be doing these things out of the good grace of your heart, sir. 
Yeah, and but the Energem was just like the Energem's like you're just doing this to bond with me. Fuck off. Yeah, so the Energem was like the Energem saw through his bullshit of just like, and eventually he does bond with the Energem when he does actually sincerely save Chase's sister from yeah, getting he's hurt. Like, oh no! Yeah, he's like, oh no, this kid's about to get hurt, and it's like, yeah, it's because you acted like an actual fucking hero, yeah, and not like not like Bill Gates who's just like donating money because it's like, oh, that makes like look like a good person if I do. Yeah, and I get a tax write off. I get a tax write off. Also, I can do a lot of things that are very creepy to think about. Yeah. So like, but the point with yeah with Prince Philip is that like he's got to like. When he was actually able to make the actual heroic sacrifice of, like, I'm going to put myself in danger in order to save this person who cannot save themselves at this moment, that's when the inner gem's like, okay, it's the, it's the, it whoops on over <laughs> to Frey. You're, you're now the, yeah. Yeah. yeah you're now the, the graphite ranger, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, I was just like, it whoops on over him and becomes, he becomes the graphite ranger to paraphrase uh, a good enough summary of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> And then we have Moana, who, uh, we just had her vibe. Yeah, Moana literally only shows up in the episode where we learn Chase's kind of origin story about how he bonded with the Black Energem. And that was literally because he saved Moana's cat, Tabitha, who she'd put into a baby carriage and wrapped up and swaddled like a baby. Which, 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 fair. Yeah, mood. I'd do do that with (laughs) Joe. If you could guarantee she would not jump out of the fucking thing. Well, you get one of the zipper carriers. Ah, that still. makes sense. But yeah, so, um, also just the fact Moana just dresses like Stevie Nicks. It's great. Yeah, Moana's just like, here's this cool Stevie Nicks leg lady, so. Yeah, so it's like, she was, yeah, she's probably our favorite one-off character, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, Heckle and Snide. Yeah, so, Heckle and Snide, even though they are, they play way more into season two and Supercharge. Uh, he does show up for the last two episodes, and so it was definitely felt like we needed to mention him. Mm-hmm. And like, even like in that early like vi- like episode, he kind of he you can tell he's kind of got a different vibe from the rest of the the monsters, and that's because the monsters are all actually afraid of him. Yeah. So all yeah. right. So yeah, so we made it to our odds and ends, and we we kind of want to go and talk about two things very personal to us, but. The first one that's a that's a really you know good one is this was Ashley's first Power Ranger season. Yeah, like I even told that to Brandon Mejia when I met him at um, a convention. Ranger stop. Um, yeah, Ranger stop. Yeah, Ranger stop. And yeah, this was my first Power Ranger season, and it just literally was because like Sid was watching it when we were living together, and I just sat down and watched it with him, like some days, mostly when I was just not when I was not working. Uh, cause this was when I was still working for Amazon and was working from home and was just, I would just be in between shifts and, you know, they'd be watching Power Rangers and I would just sit down and watch it with them. And I was like, oh my God, this is actually really fun. And I, I think uh, that's part I, of like my own empathy journey as well. It's just like, I had written off Power Rangers for a really long time just because I wasn't allowed to watch it. And I just thought it was, it just seemed very stupid. And yeah, no, it is kind of stupid, but I love it. You know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I also, this is also a bit of an empathy journey with me, because I remember I would try to kind of get you into watching stuff that I watched tokusatsu-wise, and it was just not your thing, and I just kind of wrote, I was like, okay, this is one of the things Ashley and I just won't be into that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's fine, we've been friends for years, I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, this is a breaker, 
So it really surprised me that you just like started sitting and watching it. I just remember because I was like three or four episodes in and you were like really into it. I'm like, do you mind if I start over? Like, do you want to watch this from the beginning? Yeah, no, it was like, I, yeah, no, I don't, I don't even know why it just, it, it brought me in, but it was like, no, this is like really fun. The cast is really fun. Like it was, yeah. it was a good thing to just kind of sit and watch and like not have to worry about like, it's, it's not, it was not super high stakes either. Like obviously, yeah, there's high stakes yeah. in the show, but like. It it wasn't like anything I had to like. I got emotionally invested in it, but it wasn't anything I had to put a lot of like emotional energy into. Yeah, which yeah, that that's a lot of kids shows are like. Yeah, that, you know. Um. So yeah, it was it was just kind of interesting. It's like this is what turned you on the Power Rangers, and then later when I was watching Lightspeed Rescue, you were kind of you were engaging in it too, and just were kind of cracking jokes about the Zords, and that's when I made the like we should start a podcast and here we are um <laughs> here we are i yeah i was like i honestly sometimes i didn't even think we were gonna make it this far like through yeah, everything same. we've been through like oh my god i didn't think we would ever make it to dino charge yeah it's like wow we're, we're actually here yeah we're actually we're actually uh as you put it we're actually like towards the end of the backlog tunnel and we're like oh my god we're almost there. yeah like by this time next year we're going to be like done with like act like when i say actual i mean like tv power rangers um which there's still a yeah. lot of comics we got to get through but like it's like no by this time next year we're gonna be done with dino fury that's weird to think about <laughs> yeah it really is like damn we would caught up with everything yeah so as everyone knows, um, so as a, as a fun thing, mm-hmm. as everyone knows, uh, our the cat, the mascot cat of this podcast, Coda, mm-hmm. who passed away like six months ago, six seven months ago. Yeah. Uh, so when I I I got him, I got him with another cat named Bondo, who yes is named after the Common Rider Gun character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know, I, I was kind of these were. Those two were the first two pets I got in my adulthood. Mm-hmm. And it you know, just been through a breakup and all that. And I was also really watching Dido Charge at the time because it was, I think Supercharge was about finished or towards the end of finishing mm-hmm. or, or just beginning. It was something, it was, I think, in the middle of Supercharge when I got Coda. And, uh, you know, and I'm looking through pictures. Bondo was the one who, like, struck me. And I was also looking at these these pictures and here's this, beautiful gorgeous like black cat with long hair and uh his name was riley (laughs) (laughs) oh that always cracks me up about like knowing coda's shelter name was riley riley and you know coda was kind of one of the ones that i kind of had like dotted the back of my head especially when i called to um, inquire about bondo and they're like oh yeah he's hanging out with the with with coda essentially and so I ended up finding out, you know, the cat shelter I went to, um, Ohio Alley Cat Resource, they they basically have giant rooms filled, like, with, you know, with big windows, let it, all, like, all the sunlight in, and cats kind of interact with each other, and they have a porch to go out of. It's not like they're in kennels, basically. Right. So here I come, and I meet Bondo, and Coda here is like, hey! Hey, <laughs> hey, you're a person. Love me. And I wanted a black cat. So and he was he was like five going on six at the time. Yeah. So it's just like, OK, I'll take these two. And I was like, I don't 
I don't know, you know, I didn't have a name really picked out, and I wasn't feeling Riley, and I just saw he had, like, long black, like, fur, and I thought of Coda's hair, and I was like, okay, he's Coda. Yeah. And, um... And, uh, <laughs> I didn't find out later he has the stomach of Coda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he's, he was a little, like, sassier than Coda. Yeah. But, the the actual character, but he was, he was very, he was a very low cat who had separation anxiety. Oh, yeah, just... I one of my favorite memories of Coda was like sitting on the couch in the living room, and you you would be out on the porch smoking when back when you used to smoke, and um you'd be out on the porch smoking, and like Coda would just be at the door pawing at it because you you were visible. The storm door was clear, (laughs) (laughs) and you would just be pawing at the door, wanting like just be like. My, uh, so I didn't even realize he had separation anxiety at all until when my mom stayed with me with at my old apartment in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Do you know Coda just goes at the whenever?" Because I went off to get groceries for Thanksgiving and stuff. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Did you know that Coda just sits at the door and starts meowing?" Oh, <laughs> like he just starts going, ah, you know, and paws at the door. And she even took video of this. So like, Coda, yeah, he, he was a very loyal cat who would love you and. We showed a picture of him to Brennan Mejia, and he was like, oh, yeah, Coda suits him much better. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we call that endorsement. We call that endorsement. Uh, but yeah, Coda, Coda's original shelter name was Riley. It's just so fucking funny. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of cats, uh, we talked about the Save the Cat sequence a little bit, but we just found it very funny. It was equivalent to the baby chase scene in season two of mighty morphin yeah because it's just this very overlong sequence and it does seem like initially it does seem like it's they're chasing a baby like because it's just a baby carriage that just like the brakes came off on it and it's just rolling downhill and chase has to tr- hasten through traffic and stop it from being run over by a truck yeah. uh, and then it's only until after he rescues the baby that he realizes that it was a cat <laughs> That was one chill cat. Yeah, like, like didn't even didn't even try to scratch when he grabbed it. Yeah, he grabbed like he <laughs> grabbed the swaddle and like didn't see its face. But I I would assume the cat would have just been like eh! like sp- reaching its paw <laughs> out trying to scratch him. Yeah, like eh! uh, the other one. Uh, this is just kind of we're not trying to down on your ship, but uh, we kind of wanted to talk about. Uh, well, I want to talk about kind of how I view Chase and Riley's relationship, but also uh, this kind of ties into uh, Michael Tabor later coming out that he viewed Riley as gay and kind of played him as such yeah. and had a crush on Chase. Yeah, I, I do want to touch on that particular bit for a second, just because like so many people started claiming that that was queer baiting, and like I've had this thing when people have thrown around that term a lot in the past couple of years because it's one of those things where people learned it on Tumblr and like the phrase had a very specific meaning in terms of being like queer baiting being where a show, you know, show executives, show like runners would try to court the queer side of the fandom. Um, Supernatural. Yes, yeah, Supernatural. Sort of Sherlock, but, like, also, like, Stephen Moffat very clearly had disdain for them, too. So, is that queerbaiting, really? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so, they, like, you'd have these shows that would try to court their queer side of the fandom and just be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're gonna have something for you guys to look forward to, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, might give you some of it, but then, like, take it away. 
Um, so, yeah, so that's, like, where the phrase queerbaiting came from, where it was hinted at that characters might be gay, or that, like, you know, showrunners were trying to, like, you know, get people in with that, but then, like, the show would never give the goods, or would kill off those characters. Um. Or, you know, what Vince McMahon does sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, so basically, that's, that's the traditional way that queerbaiting is understood. For some reason in fandoms over the past several years, queerbaiting has just become a term for, oh, I'll, this was my ship. I thought these characters were gay. And then they did nothing with them. And so therefore the show queerbaited me. It's like, that's not what queerbaiting is, guys. That is, no. that is just, you got really into your ship. And like, did the showrunner say anything to try to like get you into the show? No. Then what are you guys talking about? Like, I remember people saying that, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier was queerbaiting. I'm like, just because Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan constantly act like they want to fuck each other does not mean (laughs) that Bucky and, like, Sam are going to fuck each other. I'm I'm sorry, this just also reminds me of, like, the inverse problem you see with queer men. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, you know, we want actual friendships with men and all that. And it's like, guys, we say this because we, like, look at how you know, the Slash fandom reacts to a series and we don't even take it apart that, no, the canon is explicitly trying to tell you they are, you know, they are just friends. Right. You know, it's like we have tons of personal stories of male friendship. Yeah. So it's really weird how kind of the end, like, like the other end of this is also just kind of, because I'll fall into this trap too and then I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. And like, they don't let, They don't let guys get together. <laughs> yeah, and it's not saying that you can't ship these, like, any of these characters. Like, I was saying that you can't ship Sam and Bucky, or you can't ship, you know, Destiel, or whatever. But, like, it's, yeah, I, I just find it weird how queerbaiting has just turned into my ship didn't become canon. Um, and so people were saying that, like, Dino Charge was queerbaiting. It's like, no, this was specifically... Michael Tabor saying that he saw Riley as gay, so he played him as such. There was nothing from Chiplin or anybody involved in the show that was saying, oh yeah, Riley is gay, and then not delivering on it within the text of the show. Yeah, it's more of like, there is some subtext implication, especially how Mm -hmm. Michael Tabor did kind of play the character, but overall it's like, he's not getting with Chase. Yeah. Chase is, I don't know why people just interpret Chase as bi. It's like how people will interpret Gene Winchester as bi or queer, and I'm like, how? Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, Chase is just too fucking straight. Like, as the way, as I view the, like, the canon, it's like, yes, Riley clearly has a, ch- a crush on Chase. That is not Mike- wrong. Like Michael uh, even talks about like that he viewed Riley having a a crush on Chase. He very clearly has a crush on Chase. Like I am not disputing that in any sort of way. And again, if anybody wants to write that ship, go for it. I'm just saying I don't see it. (laughs) Yeah, like, and I shouldn't say because my interpretation of Chase is is he is you know he's queer, but he's you know he's. In, in like the gender sense of queer right when it comes to his actual sexuality it's like no that guy likes women yeah. like i i don't see anything beyond that mm-hmm. 
And trust me, I will I will make anyone gay if I want them to be. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm sounding very threatening. About yeah, it. I will make them gay. <laughs> it's like g- give Sid but, his demands, or he will make another character gay. <laughs> it's like they are all trans and gay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is and this also comes into like my viewing as Chase as trans is my view of Chase and Riley is just like. Riley's never met another trans person in his life, and here is Chase. Yeah. And Chase is like, oh, cool. Like, you know, you're you're definitely, you know, I've gone through a shit ton with my transition and everything. I'll help you out. That's how I, I view mm-hmm. it. You know, it's basically Riley is very, and he even has a crush on him because Riley's always like dudes. Right. So that that's my interpretation. It's like they definitely have a very strong bond. Riley definitely has a a crush on Chase, but Chase doesn't reciprocate that crush. And it's a very different like uh you know relationship between two queer people, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just the relationship between two trans dudes right. that are just friends. Right. So, um, so our serious thing aside, yeah, uh, we we have a few things. Uh, there's. Introducing Coda to YouTube trends, it came from a tweet because somebody was just, you know, it came from a tweet that was like a Tumblr post that talked about how like, man, Victorian child's mind gets blown by this. I want to see something fucking happy, like a caveman getting introduced to mukbangs. Yeah. And like, so we just like made this joke about like Coda doing mukbang videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it was in this time of YouTube, but if he went to that time of YouTube, he would just start doing them. It's like, oh, this is fun. Look at all the food. Yeah. And he literally turns into that. You know? Yeah. And like he gets a massive following on YouTube because people think he's playing a character. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, he's he's actually a caveman. Yeah. And speaking of Coda, there there there's a really good flat earth joke in this series. Oh my god. It was in the, wasn't it in the episode with the uh, the Plesiozord? Yeah, with because they were in New Zealand. Yeah, and essentially, co- they, they said we need to go like west, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And Coda goes the opposite direction of everyone else. And I was like, "No, Coda, this way is west. We're we're in the southern hemisphere." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I keep forgetting that the Earth was like. I think they were like, I keep they were like, oh yeah, I keep forgetting that. And it's like, yeah, I have trouble realizing the Earth is round now. Is basically what yeah. what they're getting at. Yeah, and like Coda just goes, "Yeah, when did they change that?" <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like when did they change that? It was like it's so funny. Like, oh my god! Like, it's very hard to do like a flat Earth joke that actually works. <laughs> yeah, because it's like flat flat Earthers. Let's not get into yeah. that. Yeah, but <laughs> unless it's Dan- uh, Brian Danielson making fun of AJ. Oh yeah, that no, that is forever <laughs> funny. And like, oh my god, Brian Danielson is such a massive troll. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, on- but, honestly, he just puts Cody Rhodes in perspective for me by going, I love to lie. Cody Rhodes taught me how great it is to lie. <laughs> but uh, that aside, it was just a really good, like, flat earth joke that basically just dealt with time displaced people. Like, being like, oh, yeah, the earth's actually round. Yeah, because I don't think, yeah, because Galileo wouldn't have come around until many, many years after uh, Ivan got sucked in by uh, Fury. And, um, uh, I would say early Renaissance. Yeah, early Renaissance. Probably. Yeah, they would have already been like they've already been speaking. They would have been past Middle English by that point. Um, yeah, Chaucer would have already been written um, 
The Canterbury Tales. Canterbury yeah. Tales. Yeah. So <laughs> the point being that, like, yeah, no, it's just a very good joke. Because I'm like, I'm trying to remember when they started believing in, like, the Earth was round and heliocentric universes. But definitely after, you know gets sucked in by, by Ivan, Ivan gets sucked in by Fury's chest is what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Alright, that's gonna be it for our first episode about Dino Charge. Um, as always, we'd like to thank Kate Nix for her banging theme song that you hear at the beginning of every episode. You can find her at katenix.com where you can find her band camp, her merch and streaming. As of the publishing of this podcast, she's on a break while she works on moving to her new home. So stay tuned to her Twitter and Instagram, which is at the Goblin Mother on both for more updates. And then as always, Joe Hunter, for the art that you see whenever you download or stream our podcast, you can find him on joehunter.threadless.com, on Instagram as joebloodyhunter, uh, Twitter and Patreon as joe underscore hunter. He also has a book called Beast Heart Strikers that he does with Land Pitts. Uh, you can find that, I believe, on Comixology again. Uh, I said I know that they were working on getting that back up there, so hopefully by the time this podcast is out, it's up. Uh, and you can also find them running uh, backups on Radiant Black currently, uh, which is a great uh, tokusatsu comic that you should definitely check out at your local comic book shop or online wherever you read comics. Kurt Yoder, through editing this podcast, we're always grateful for him. Uh, you can find him on Etsy at GreatSGCreations, and GreatSGPixels on Twitter is for the Pixel Creations, and the GreatSG is his regular Twitter. Our wrestler of the podcast. Uh, so for the dinosaur theme, we decided we were going to go with some uh, older wrestlers. And our first one is going to be the legend himself, Ricky Morton. He's actually going to be retiring from wrestling after this year. And he's kind of on a hot streak of dream matches. Like he's going to be wrestling Alex Shelley at Prestige Roseland 3 on May 28th in a non-title match. Prestige Wrestling, you are crazy for that one, but I am looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for as for us, for me, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at MissKittyF. And you can find uh, on my, I believe, my Twitter or my Instagram. Either way, I have a Linktree account that shows you anywhere you can go online to find my stuff. HIO uh, for my digital comics. And ashley-leckwell.square.site for my physical comics uh, and any of the sewn goods I make. So blankets, masks, tote bags, whenever I get those back up. All right. And then you can find uh, me, Sid, on Twitter at VelociRiker. I also have an Instagram um, under the same uh, title, VelociRiker. I also have my store, Coda's Magical Crafts, which... You can find uh, on the link tree, the link tree is Coda's Crafts, uh, and you can find the Etsy storefront as well as the Squares storefront, where I make soaps and candles and uh, lip balms and hard candy and possibly more coming up soon. All right, and then for the podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at Rangersplain. That's also our Patreon, where you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month to get early access to episodes and more. Uh, you can also find us on WordPress, uh, which is our where you can find all the show notes and references and corrections to things we say on the actual episodes themselves, as well as links to wherever you can find us on the internet. Uh, and that would be rangersplain.wordpress.com. 
And as always, if you are not able to support us on Patreon for any reason, we totally get it. But if you could, please give us a like and rating of five stars, wherever you're allowed to do that. And that helps us beat the algorithm just a bit. All right, this concludes Dino Charge Part 1. We decided to split this because we didn't want to do a four-hour episode. I mean, I'm sure some people would enjoy that, but not us. (laughs) We love you, George. We love you. Uh, So yeah, tune in next month for part two where we tackle Dino Supercharge. And as always, Ice, thank you for listening and may the power protect you. Go. Just play.